0: All right, I'm Bill Caswell. You're here on the Build Race Party podcast. And today we're talking with Brian Doerr. Uh an old friend of mine. Met him like uh, about nine years ago at SEMA when he was a full-time overlander with the most insane rig that I'm going to let him tell you all about. Now he's a uh, full-time photographer, uh, journalist, and a marketing consultant for automotive and outdoor industries. Say, so, hey, Brian, welcome on the show. What's happening, Bill? What's going on, man? Hey, so... Look, I could read your bio, which, like, includes, like, a travel resume, because you've been to some of the coolest places on the planet and, like, all the different sort of, like, I don't even know if you call it extreme sports, between kayaking, (laughs) kiteboarding, skiing, and... I mean, your rig had, like, almost every water... Adventure vehicle strapped to the back of it when I saw you. I think there might even been like a windsurfer on it for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Is getting out there and adventuring, and uh, that comes in all forms, whether it be uh, you know gasoline powered or human powered or wind powered. And in the, in the case of uh, kiteboarding, I'm not a. I used to teach windsurfing way back in the day, but I'm horrible at that. <laughs> uh, horrible, like really, really bad. But kite, kiteboarding super fun. I get to play with that a couple times a year.
0: Nice, nice. Oh, cool. So, dude, how like how did this all start? Right, because when I. Met met you at SEMA you had your you had your big Dodge like Overland vehicle like like a big jacked up truck with like a cool camper on the back like which you know now has become uber trendy but but like 10 years ago dude that was like pretty rare to find someone like you you know just hanging out you know what I mean
1: absolutely man yeah it was only like man a little like eight and a half years ago like 2011 I quit my job um and that's kind of when I just took off on the road And that was all kicked off um, by just three close friends passing away in short order in, like, under six months. They were all younger than me. I was working a job at a big outdoor store in Portland, Oregon, and uh, loved my work, my job, but, like, wasn't really getting the pay or respect that I really deserved for what I was doing for them and business-wise. And I just realized quickly, like life's way too short for that nonsense. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. just was like, screw it. I'm out. I have, I have no debt. I have no money, but I have no debt. And I bought a four by four sportsmobile van, uh, quit my job. Uh, not necessarily in that order. I think I quit the job and then went and bought the van the next week. And then, uh, <laughs> and then just hit the road, like sold the car a little Volvo wagon I had at the time, uh, that I, that I lived in for a while actually before that. And, uh, yeah, just hit the road and, it's been a crazy ass adventure since then. And uh, where did you go first, man?
0: Where did you take that van first?
1: Sure. Uh, so I picked it up in Minnesota. I uh, flew to Minnesota with a surf kayak in a like car, like a carbon <laughs> surf kayak in a bag, flew to Minnesota in the middle of winter, um, <laughs> hopped in the van that, uh, bought it, drove it straight to Santa Cruz, California and went to the Santa Cruz surf kayak festival, which is a big event I go to every year. I'm one of the main photographers at that event and I compete oh, awesome. every year oh, I That's cool. in the last few years, which has been super fun. But, um, but, yeah, surf kayaking is a big passion, and Santa Cruz at Steamer Lane is just epic surf. I mean, I've sur- that year was one of the gnarliest years they've had there ever, and it was like, I don't know, 15-foot faces plus out of, out of the main peak, and it was just big, gnarly storm surf that year. So super fun, though.
0: <laughs> I think of you as like a, a truck, you know, camping, exploring guy, not like 15-foot wave kite surfing guy. It's pretty <laughs> awesome, dude. It's
1: all about all of it. You know, you got to go find adventures wherever you can.
0: How long She's like, when did you get rid of, I never even saw the van. Like for me, I never knew the van and that's kind of like, was the original old school like standard for exploring. Right. It was like, uh, it's basically like a four wheel drive conversion on a, on a, on a church van. Right. Is that
1: exactly? Yeah. Basically a, you know, 15 passenger van without the windows. And it was all jacked up by Quigley four by four out of Pennsylvania. And then, Outfitted with the interior and a pop top from Sportsmobile out in California.
0: So, you That's actually had a real Quigley conversion?
1: Yep, it was it was an this... old school Sportsmobile. It was an 01 and a half. That's uh, awesome. E350 e, e Econo line with the Quigley three inch lift on 33s and then the full Sportsmobile treatment inside.
0: Dude, I'm so jealous. Those vans are so awesome. I mean, yeah, now there's like some,
1: awesome, man, I love it. Now for there's sure. like
0: knockoff conversions, but like Quigley is kind of like the real deal. And if, I wasn't sure if you had like the real one or if you yeah. like quit your job and bought like a, a homemade, there's, there's a lot of homemade versions now that aren't nearly as good as a Quigley.
1: There's a few homemade versions. Quigley is awesome. The people are great there. The conversions are good, but quite honestly, the best two off-road capable conversions for E-Series vans are U-Joint <laughs> Off-Road out of uh, North Carolina. Those guys are <laughs> badass they awesome. create, like, they're the real deal like they make amazing products and then sportsmobile their 4x4 system is like way over engineered like runs a you know twin stick atlas transfer case and the whole oh wow like, cost you a fortune but it is a baller system like there's no doubt that their system is really really good oh
0: that's wild I mean, so they now do the whole thing themselves i mean i'm kind of yeah. new to this area as you can tell with my questions like i you know i kind of um, like see it and you know, between yeah. like uh, exploring elements between your website, between like expedition portal and just watching friends posts. I've, I've learned a little bit, but I'm still kind of new to the whole like overlanding thing, you know? Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's the whole van life thing and the overlanding thing and the weekend warrior (laughs) thing and all the above. I mean, like I said, I'm a whitewater kayaker. That's my passion in life. And that's what kind of got me started in this whole thing. And at the time I didn't know anything about anything uh, of any of that stuff. I knew a ton about whitewater paddling and outdoor adventure, and the ultimate dream for any kayaker is to live in a van down by the river. So I, <laughs> I, I bought a four by four van, and then I went and lived in it for a while down by the river, basically wherever. Just chasing snow. I'm a big skier and snowboarder, and chasing snow and water all over the North America with that van for sure. That's super wild. Fun.
0: What was it like camping out in the winter in that thing? Was it freezing?
1: Uh, it was, but it's got a propane heater. Man, it was solid. Like you could chill in there. It was. It was great. No big deal at all, huh? No, not at all, dude. Propane heater, um, it worked great. Uh, it's a little dry, like you wake up with like, you know, super dry nose and throat. But, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: I would think so. You're like sleeping in an oven.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you can barely run it, like just have it warm enough where it's not freezing cold and sleep in your sleeping bag and just be like super comfy. It's it's home. So I had that van for, man, what did I have that thing for? I had it for four years.
0: Oh, wow. So like no, half yeah, the event. For-
1: no, I had it for two 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 and a half years, two and a half years, and then I, I lived in it for a little bit and sold it to buy my Dodge truck that I did a full custom everything conversion on, basically like a sailboat box on the back, so a full composite box on a pit three-point pivot system like a Unimog has. I had a full pop-top. Um, Wait, so your had-
0: whole camper pivoted on your chassis? It was like independently sprung? Uh, no spring, it it literally had
1: two solid mounts up front where the original, um, mounts for the truck bed were, but those Mm -hmm. were super heavily reinforced and used a, uh, like a rubber isolator Okay. and then made a custom, uh, pivot central pivot in the back with like a swing arm. So it basically was, it was exactly like Unimog, Unimogs have their whole chassis flexes under it and they have a three point pivot on the back for the box or whatever you put on them.
0: Oh, wow. Why is that? Just so when you go like a massive articulation, you don't rip your box apart?
1: Uh, That, but mostly to keep the box relatively flat when the truck flexes. So when you're off-road, like all the wheels droop out and then the frame tries to flex. That's what I mean. And the camper tries to flex. Yeah. But it keeps the weight and everything pretty flat.
0: Okay, but not so much like for like, so it's flat when you're sleeping. It's more like flat so it doesn't like rattle the thing to pieces.
1: Absolutely. It doesn't help at all when you're sleeping. You still got to park on a flat ground yeah. or, uh, rut, you know, put max tracks or leveling blocks or something like that under the tires to, you know, level things out.
0: Right. It's just so that, like, basically the frame doesn't rip that box off its hinges while it's, like, articulating yeah. around and going over ruts and rocks and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Okay, yeah, and cool. It just
1: keeps, keeps it from slamming side to side, too. You want it pretty quiet so you don't have big – you don't want to upset the chassis when you're in some awkward off-road position. Right. It's the same as racing on the track. It's all about, you know, keeping the chassis quiet when you're doing crazy stuff with it.
0: Yeah, and then also so you don't, like, open your cabinets and find out your glass is smashed.
1: <laughs> well, you got you got to secure – everything that's rule number one when you go uh off-road adventuring in any vehicle is like everyone throws everything in the back seat and stuff no 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 (laughs) like when you wreck all that stuff's coming through your head through through the windshield like lock everything down everything needs to have a place head needs to have a home it needs to be padded It needs to be not touching something else that's going to break it or or break the other thing, and it needs to be strapped down for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, like a little side story. My friend Paul Donlan was towing up to Snowdrift with his rally car, and, you know, you're on a road trip, and they're just hanging out, and they got stuff all over the dash. I think his brother's working on his laptop. Like, you know, they've got stuff all over the seats, and they hit a massive ice patch and left the highway at, like, 70. Well, they went into the center medium with, like, five feet of snow. They lost, like, everything they owned. Like, they crawled yeah. around digging. It was like it was like a total yard sale, like backski powder skiing, like nothing yeah. was attached. Dude, they lost so much stuff, like laptops and out the window, like wallets, keys, like everything just ejected out every window as they rolled the thing over a couple of times. Yeah, well, it's
1: better to have it go out the window than through
0: your head, dude. No, had, that's, uh, that's true. When, in college, way back in
1: the day, I had like a... POS old Plymouth breeze and I, I went from Rhode Island up to Canada to do a ski trip and I was solo and it was gnarly <laughs> weather and I got across the Canadian border and a semi I was doing like 15 mile an hour like, it was like two feet of snow on the road not plowed I'm in like this pilot crap front wheel drive small car <laughs> yeah. and the semi at 60 mile an hour in untracked fast lane like on divided highway blows through the driver's side of my car whoa um, like the,
0: nearly the, the, killed the, you It blew both
1: tires right away on the driver's side, threw me into the ditch. I I stopped like a foot from a a huge boulder because I managed to wedge enough snow under the car by turning it. Yeah, yeah, totally. uh, Totally. but I was in, like, a T-shirt, like, jeans, chilling. <laughs> I'm on, like, a 10-hour road trip. And my snowboard and all my crap I had thrown in the back seat because I was in a hurry to get out of the house. The snowboard and everything came over the seat, like, hit me in the head. I had, like, you know, a cut in my head, and I was all bruised up. Yeah, but it too. was fine. It was no big deal. The car – and then the worst part was they didn't even total the car. I had to go back and get it, like, six months later when they fixed it. It was nonsense. You're kidding anyway. me. Nope. And there's no-fault insurance in Canada. So even though the guy like drove through me for no freaking reason, uh, I had to pay my deductible. Like, my insurance covered it, but yeah. <laughs> that sucks, dude. The joys of road tripping in Canada.
0: Yeah, so, hey, let's just let's go to that. What was your what was uh what was the worst uh situation you ever got stuck in like 7 8 years on the road? Was it like down in Central America? Was it like up by Alaska? Was, like did so something lot- break on you where you were by yourself? Like what was your, what was your worst night on the road? Man, I don't
1: know. Worst night on the road. Or most frustrating.
0: Like, There's got to be one that yeah. was like lonely, where you questioned why you were doing this.
1: I, I can think of one. So when I, soon after I built my crazy expedition truck, um, like I don't even know, like a week and a half later, right? I had I had gone to Overland Expo West with it. Uh, debuted the thing, had a great show, everybody was super stoked. It was fresh out of, you know, the factory. I mean, I drove it like a half a day late to the event overnight kind of thing. Rolled in, got the whole thing. Then I did Lockhart Basin Road with it, which is pretty bur- like Longest double black, uh, Jeep trail and Moab on the way North. And oh, wow. I was, I was headed to Alaska for the summer. So I'm going to like explore Canada. I've never been to Alaska. It's my 50th state. I've been to every other state in the country. And I was like, I got to go check yep. it out and, and finish. Can-. And then I was gonna drive across Canada. So I got up into BC pretty quick. Like after Expo West, we ripped up through the Northwest, got into BC was on uh, near Braylorn mine. It's like middle of freaking nowhere, BC off the, um, to sky highway. And it's all gravel roads. It's relatively easy terrain, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Like there's no gas, there's no nothing. And there's old mining towns. So we were going up in there to camp and enjoy and just take a different way than on the highway. And I'm just, all of a sudden I'm hearing this banging noise in the back of the truck. And I'm like, what the hell? I pulled over it like three times to check. No, there's nothing. <laughs> Everything's strapped down. Everything's like the way it should be as far as I can tell. And then I go over this big bump. I mean, I, I don't drive slowly, no matter what yeah. vehicle I'm in. So I'm doing backroads at 65, like in gravel with this like, you know, 10,000 pound fully loaded truck. Um, with and, lots you know, of
0: suspension though. I mean, the thing is built properly. Uh,
1: it had no lift, but it had full uh, two and a half inch Icon remote reservoir, C D C valve shocks, all tuned out properly with thirty three inch wheels or tires. It was it was well sorted for right. sure. But it's still a heavy, it's still a heavy truck. Yeah, um, had custom springs in the back, Hellwig uh, like sway bars, helper springs, all that. But anyway, I go over this big bump and i hear this clunk kunk, and i'm like what the and i looked in my rearview mirror and i could see the camper like flexing and rolling and i'm like what the that's not cool so i pulled <laughs> over to the side of the road and I, I still couldn't figure it out but i started crawling around under the truck and one of the camper mounts had rusted through and cracked through the mount like one of the two solid front mounts oh so it was wow attached at two points one of which was the the f- pivoting point in the back so the so I'm like, well, what the f do I do? I'm in the middle of nowhere, and I've got the thing like swinging in the breeze. Ratchet um, strap it, it down. Oh yeah, but you can't. You would break the composites. You would break the the roof has aluminum edging and is a is a, on electric actuators and expandable. Oh, so that's right. Put, so if you and it had solar panels and stuff covering <laughs> the roof, so there's no way. Like I believe me, I, that was the first thing I thought. I, like I got plenty of cam straps. This is not
0: a problem. You're right, kidding. just f- throw it around the whole top and snug it down. Yep, not an option.
1: And then there's the way it was glued together and welded and everything with the metal framing under the composites. There was no way, and there was no way to get to the bolt that was holding it to even undo the bolt to put in like a bigger mount or anything. Right. So I, I managed to get the nut off of the, the bolt. And then I, we, what happened was we pulled over to the side of the road. I uh-huh. found a flat spot, like a little further forward. It was late as shit at night and there's tons of mosquitoes. I'm in mean, the middle of nowhere. So I pull over <laughs> to a flat spot. And Can't you I'm just
0: like, hang out and go to sleep and be like, deal with it in the morning?
1: That's exactly what I did. We made, a good, we made a good dinner, went to bed, got up in the morning, and I, of course, didn't sleep much. I'm up all night going through every tool that I have in the entire vehicle, every spare part, trying right. to figure out a plan. And in the end, I, like, hand-filed this extra piece of, like, quarter-inch thick steel that I had. I had no – I had, like, a hand drill, but that wasn't going to do shit for that thing. I drilled it out <laughs> a little bit and then used a hand rasp. Got, actually had tendonitis for two weeks afterwards. Um, <laughs> and made the hole big enough in the piece of metal to basically build a bigger bracket, um, and then bolted that down. And I ran it; it worked fine. I ran it like that for like a year and a half.
0: Oh wow! No so problem. the the bracket bolts into the floor of the camper. Is that the way it works? There was a no.
1: So the 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 floor of the camper is composite, and that whole thing was glued to a one inch steel frame. And then four bolts, at each, uh, one bolt at each corner. And that bolt went down to the brackets on the frame as well. Okay. But there's no way
0: to access the top of the bolt. Yeah, it's up um, inside the frame that's glued to the composite.
1: Exactly. Which is a horrible design, which, you know, prototype camper, that shit happens. <laughs> totally. And, uh, <laughs> um, so the the it was actually the the bucket on the frame that you usually attach the truck bed to. This truck had rust. Again, I will never ever ever buy a vehicle with rust on it ever again. Like I, I yeah, it was a time crunch thing and was a huge mistake. But it had rust and it it cracked through. So basically, what I made was a massive washer out of this random piece of metal. I, I got gotcha. you to, to make the hole that had cracked bigger and enough that it held it solid. And the and
0: piece I, that I, cracked was on your frame, not on the camper.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Oh, I totally, I totally get you now. There's like a stud coming out of the bottom of the camper and what it went through was just non-existent anymore.
1: Exactly. So I just used a huge washer. It worked for like a year and a half and then I had it professionally (laughs) fixed and we, we like jacked the camper up, ripped, cut off both buckets that were originally on the camper and made them out of like quarter inch steel welded to the frame. And it was never going anywhere after that. Yeah,
0: exactly. Did it all like super, super strong. Yep, absolutely. And that's so, pretty cool. That's that was cool. your worst night. That's not so bad, dude. You it know what I mean? I
1: mean, that was the most frustrating. Yeah, frustrating like where out. you're
0: like, how yeah. are we going to get out of here? Because you're in the middle of nowhere. Your thing well, I'm broke. A, I'm a week into it in my brand
1: new baller camper that I designed. And <laughs> I'm a week into it. And, and the camper literally tries to separate well, from the truck. Like, yeah, okay. Cool. No, that, um, that's, you know, that's a good point. You know, it took like a day to get back on the road in the middle of nowhere. I'm not a mechanic. I suck at being a mechanic. I know enough at this point to like get my shit together and get back on the road. Cause I have to, I fixed so much stuff over the years. Yeah, I bet. I, I am not a mechanic. I don't enjoy it. I'm not into wrenching. I love to drive and use these toys <laughs> to go. And that, you know, it is what it is. Like, you got, you have to know basics. Otherwise, if you're in that situation, you're just screwed.
0: Right, exactly. Like, well, yeah, like, you need to be able to change an alternator, worse. change a starter, like, Absolutely. diagnose electrical problems, yep. uh, yeah, change at least, belts.
1: At least, at least know enough to pinpoint what the issue is, so then you can, like, Call in on your satellite communicator like, hey, buddy, I know you're a mechanic. You know this shit. How do I fix this part? I'm pretty sure this is what broke. You know what I mean? Right,
0: exactly. And then, you know, send them a picture and they'll tell you how screwed you are.
1: That's that's one of my rules for overland travel, especially international travel. Everyone's like, well, you got to know all these mechanical things. You got to know how to fix your rig. And like bottom line, no, you don't bring all the tools that are specialized for your vehicle and know the basics. And then wherever you are in the world, there will be mechanics that can work on mechanical stuff. They know their stuff. And if you have the tools, even if you're in the middle of nowhere, you can find somebody that can like help you fix it, even if you don't know how to do it.
0: Uh, That's actually a really good point.
1: Like, it's not that complicated. Like, people that are good mechanics are good mechanics. Like, even if they've never worked on that, that that engine specifically, they can look at it and go, oh, that's the starter. That's the alternator. That's the whatever. Okay, well, shit, I don't have those tools. But I do because I brought them with me because I know my truck.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly I right. I don't know how man. to fix it. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean dude, like, you know me. I know cars, like, pretty well, but I don't know yeah. a lot of random stuff. Like, I never really had, like, old <sighs> engines with, like, distributors and carburetors and stuff. It's always been like modern BMW junk. And yeah. our stupid scout broke down in Baja in the middle of nowhere. And like we didn't have any tools. We didn't have anything. And luckily we found these old fishermen. <laughs> yeah. And in like a couple of minutes, the guy's like, hey, here's your problem. And he like pulls a distributor out. He's like, Your bearing on the bottom is everything like I'm like, look, it spins. It's all right. He's like, nah, dude. Yeah. He takes it apart and it ate the bearings. So the the little th- wheel was moving away from the little Hall Effect sensor. And none yeah. of it was working. And he's like, do you have the original one? Like I can probably make that work. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I didn't bring you that. And, and the guy got so upset at me for not bringing like some basic spare parts that like, that like that motor should probably always have with it. You know?
1: Well, well, that – exactly. And I, I, my my story on that is I, I'm also a motorcyclist, so I love adventure motorcycling. Yeah. I did a big trip through the Trans Labrador, the Maritimes, and the Trans Lab up in Canada on my moto solo in September. I don't know
0: I'll what like, that is. What's the Trans lab? Uh, I'm sure if you're, like, an overlander, these are, like, words <laughs> that get thrown around campfires. Like, no big no, deal. <laughs>
1: but. but no. In in La- in the province of Labrador, like way okay. up in eastern or uh, Canada, there's uh, a one highway essentially. <laughs> like there's no other roads, and it's all for like the big hydro projects and shit like that up there. And right, I think as of like last year, it's fully paved now.
0: Like but, eastern, like the one that goes around the top of Maine. Yeah,
1: like it's it's like to Nova Scotia of of kind water. of thing. No, so I went through Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, um, Newfoundland, and then you take a ferry up into Labrador. Labrador is, like, way up there. What? It's just not, like, there's one pro, uh, territory tra- above that, <laughs> and I've never been there because you can't get there by, ca- by car. It's not Nunavik. I think Nunavut. I think ah, something like that. Wait, that's the kidding, only province dude. I've never been to, or uh, territory I've never been to in Canada. But yeah, the TransLab. So it was, it's like paved and gravel and whatever and dirt, but in the middle of nowhere
0: and and really remote. Why would you um, go up there kayaking or just to see it? No, 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 on the motorcycle. To I know, go but kayak. like. I mean, yeah, no, you can't put a kayak on your back. I guess it's. I've, I've thought about it, but, it's not a good idea. Uh, but just no, to go see it, just to go to like the farthest north roads you can.
1: I I had never done any of the Maritimes. They were the only provinces I've never done in Canada. So okay. I've done all fifty states and every single province and every single territory in Canada, except that you can drive to because I haven't been to Nunavut.
0: Dude, that's um, nuts.
1: But uh, yeah, it was just – I took off for a month from uh, my parents' place in Maryland. I hopped on a – I bought a moto. A week later, I threw my shit on it, drove 5,000-mile round trip in 20 – I think it was 26 days, <laughs> 23 of which were rainy. But on the middle of the Trans Lab, it's a known issue. KTM 950 Adventure, the fuel pump, is a piece of crap. The contactors <laughs> on it go out constantly. I didn't okay. know. I bought, I bought a bike and took off. Whatever. Right. Would you buy and, it brand new? No, 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 no! I can't afford that nonsense. Right? So you
0: you brought a used KTM and then yeah. just did five thousand miles on it. Like, just it'll be fine. Yeah.
1: 3,000 miles off pavement in a 5,000 mile loop over like 27 days. Got super sick in the middle, a bunch of other stuff. I like met a guy that lost half his leg, retired, like motorcycling. Just, he had <laughs> hang controls on his bike. He was awesome. Like, I traveled with him for like a week and a half of the trip. It was awesome. But anyway, the, the bike, the fuel pump went out. Right? Okay. It's snowing. I'm in the middle of the Trans Lab. Right? The bike <laughs> oh won't God, start. on the side of the road. I'm like, what the F am I going to do? I didn't know what it was at first. Like I figured it out eventually. But these guys, they wouldn't let me. Like They pulled over the one truck in like three hours they pulled over and these two like 350 pound dudes that worked at the local dam helped me load it up into the back of their pickup like we picked up this 450 <laughs> pound bike chucked it in the back probably weighs more than that with all your gear on it too oh, oh it was like 600 pounds we won't <laughs> yeah. talk about that <laughs> uh, strap, I, they had no straps or anything so i strapped it down with some straps i had on the bike from moscow moto it's like for towing and strapping your crap to your bike and they <laughs> cool stuff but anyway strapped it down to the back of their thing hopped in we went 40 miles to their little mining village thing or dam project village it's like a full company town no mechanic one that's gas station cool. no tools they wouldn't let me use anything they have a tiny tiny like hotel restaurant post office general store school all in one building because that's like the only public <laughs> building there so i'm in the parking lot But they had Wi-Fi. That's the key to this entire story. They had Wi-Fi. (laughs) So I'm Wi-Fi with a friend that has the same bike, Uh, Matt Scott. You know him, I think, from back in the day. He's moving down to Arizona. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm hitting him up on my phone on Wi-Fi, and he's checking his bike in his garage and looking up forums and stuff, trying to figure out, diagnose the issue on mine. In the end, I had had to pull the – the fuel pump out of the bike, fix it in the snow, and the only the, I had to file down the contacts. The contacts go bad. That's the problem. Okay. So the only, only thing I could do. What do you mean the
0: contacts? Like, like like were the wires hooked to the motor?
1: There's the, two little brass contactors in the solenoid on the end of the fuel pump. Why? Because to it's a KTM, man.
0: <laughs> Wait. So, so what, the wires from the battery go into the, into the, the fuel pump. Why are there contactors sure. that wear out?
1: They start like to, to turn the fuel pump on and off, like for the ignition, I guess. Is like a, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's the deal. It's got a contactor on the end. The wires go into this contactor. Okay. The contactor has to uh, touch properly or it doesn't work in the solenoid. So I,
0: I had to pull I mean, out. Usually apartments. the wires just go in and it goes with the brushes and the brushes turn on the stator and the thing just works. Dude, I'm, I'm. I don't not, know. I'm, I'm gonna joke. go look. I'm gonna go look this up. What I've done. I'm so curious now. Okay, so yeah, yeah how'd you file them down? Like, do you like a nail file?
1: I, na- nail clippers. Yeah,
0: it's, a file in my nail clippers. <laughs> right, you dude.
1: Know, Forty-five minutes later, like, because I couldn't break. It has this little brass thing, and you you break it, I'm screwed. Like, yeah, I'm if
0: it breaks off anywhere. the little plastic housing or whatever it's, it comes out of, you're done. I'm like 1,200 miles from
1: a real town, and yeah. there's no way like Amazon's not delivered anything. So I'm not yeah. getting a new part.
0: Yeah, so, dude, yeah. I fixed so many stuff with that little nail file thing on a pair of clippers. So that was my first guess. It was like, all right, you got a nail file with you? <laughs> that's that's awesome that you've done that. I've never
1: heard of anybody else doing that. I had no, I had plenty of tools, but I had no files. Yeah, me now, neither, now dude. I had, now I had now I carry a file in my motorcycle toolkit. By the way,
0: <laughs> yeah, I've used it to clean up. Uh, Exactly what you're saying, like corroded electrical contactors. You yep, need to like, absolutely. I mean, you can use a flat blade of a screwdriver usually and scrape it, but it doesn't. Yeah, it would, it yeah, doesn't maybe. work that well. You, need, this you know, is when like it's really
1: fragile. Like this little stupid thing was so
0: gnarly. <laughs> so, what do people yeah. do? Just carry a spare pump with them and just swap them when they go bad.
1: Either a new, uh, a new pump or a new which is kind of heavy or a new just um, solenoid for the end like the, the little there's a repair kit you can get, you can get or what I did was bought a full new one installed uh-huh. that later and then I fixed the old one properly right and I just carry around the little extra part for the end so you got to rebuild it in the field but you don't like it's not that big of a deal I can't I believe that there's this
0: solenoid contactor thing it sounds really like a stupid design. I mean, well, What do I know so what I'm it, talking about? But it just it's, I mean, it sounds like it's, a nightmare. Like
1: it is, but the 950 Adventure is it. You know, it's a high it's a high strung desert Dakar race bike that's street legal. I mean, they built it has dual tanks on it. Like, who the hell needs dual tanks for a road bike? But that's you, pretty you cool. in the middle of the desert. If you wreck on one side, the theory is you turn off. Like, if it rips that fuel tank off or punctures it, you still have the fuel tank on the other side, and you just turn off one side, and you still got fuel. That's kind of so awesome. It's cool, but it's a pain. You go to the gas station, you got to pump two fuel tanks. Like, it's stupid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They don't, they don't like bridge internally at
1: all. They do at the bottom, but not like total. They're totally separate. They bridge into the fuel pump, essentially. Right, 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 right,
0: right. So like when one drains, does it automatically just they, they drain together? But it just takes them off both, right? If you, if you leave them both right. open, but the yeah. one, but they won't transfer from one to the other. No. No, Why no, doesn't no, someone just put a little like transfer tube that you could shut off at the same time you close it? I don't no. know. Isn't that no, funny? Those are our cool bikes. of those KTM Adventures? Is that hey? While we're on bikes, like. There's an Africa tw- Africa twin that came out that looks pretty awesome, and then nice. I saw someone just built like a, a CBR 1000 version of the Africa twin kind of thing. <laughs> Did you see okay. that?
1: No, I haven't seen that particular one, but I've seen similar. Yeah, yeah, the similar People type. People are doing crazy stuff with that. But the Africa twin's a great bike. I've ridden it. Uh, they even have one that's like an uh, I think the DCT transmission. It's like an automatic transmission on a motorcycle. Um, oh, that's it kind kinda- of takes the fun out of it a little bit and a lot of purists are like, Hell no. I rode one just because I, I ride a little bit of everything and drive everything.
0: But, yeah, part of the journalism yeah. part of your of your uh, lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But off road, the automatic like lets you focus on making that huge heavy bike like perform and it never like stalls out on you it's like anti-stall it's all it's kind of awesome
0: like yeah like if, if you're, you're not, not that good, good rider, yeah if you know. you're like me like i get a big heavy bike off road i'm jumping off that thing all the time like i just yeah, lose I, control but i know too. it's going down i'm not gonna get my legs pinned under as just checked off the back
1: like- absolutely i'm the same <laughs> way dude. I, I would have completely snapped legs a million times if i if i was running hard luggage i swear <laughs> by soft luggage my legs oh, caught great. under there a million times oh yeah
0: dude yeah i, I, I foolish my friends went on like a um motorcycle safari in Kenya. And I honestly right. had only ridden like dirt bikes and, or not even dirt bikes. Like my dad would go to work and I'd steal his Harley out of the garage in high school and ride it around town. And then like, <laughs> I had driven some mini bikes and like high school camping out and stuff. But that yeah. was like the extent of my motorcycling. And when they said they were going to Kenya, I went and bought a BMW 650, that like X challenge yep. thing. Oh, and, nice. that's a good one. Yeah. So I think like it was really cool looking bike. Yeah. Well, the fourth, yeah, and so I tried to go riding, dude, I sucked so bad off-road, I didn't realize that, like, I should (laughs) have had better tires, that a 650 was probably too much bike for me to learn how to ride.
1: That's a lot of bikes still, yeah. Yeah, I jumped
0: off that thing, like, 10 times a day. It's amazing the bike was even in one piece when I went to go sell it. Like, I used to just eject, my friends would laugh at me, I had, like, the full, like, massive suit, so, like, if I ran into problems, I just, like, went off the back and rolled, it was, like, no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. yeah I know I'm kind of an idiot on bike uh, but yeah, uh, I've done that more more than a few times I'm makes like, me immediate
1: f- at best motorcyclist but it <laughs> makes like, yeah, me it's feel like, better the adventure just go do it
0: like whatever <laughs> hey whatever. so uh I don't want to cut off the seven-year trip thing but like sure. what what's on your bucket list like right now
1: Oh, dude! Like, well, one that I'm going to get to go do, go do next month is uh, I, I I'm setting down some roots now. I'm not on the road full time. Got married last year. I'm going on my honeymoon in Japan, powder skiing.
0: Oh, so, dude! That, I've wanted to do that so much.
1: It's been on my list forever. I'm a big skier, snowboarder, photographer in that world as well. And powder skiing in Niseko on the island of Hokkaido in northern Japan yep. has been like, oh, like you know. Like, Dude, you get those chest.
0: big like pillows of powder like on the on the yeah. rock formations like big it's like Super Mario Brothers bouncing from like little thing to thing
1: Absolutely. Pillows sound awesome, but, like, my dream forever is, like, perfectly spaced aspen trees with, like, chest-deep powder, and it's just a wave of fluffy snow flowing over you, and you're just (laughs) crushing it. Like, that is my dream state, and I've had it for years, and I'm praying that they got good snow next month because I'm going. And, dude, the town,
0: the ski towns up there look so cool. And they're not really towns. They're, like, almost like little backcountry towns kind of.
1: You know yeah, what I mean? N- nice is like a full on international ski resort resort. Thing. It's, it's stupid expensive. Like I can't really afford it, but like,
0: nah, no, just I mean, go do it. You'll sort it out. It. Anyway, yeah, I think the it's the place I've seen Ken block going to like, I like, uh,
1: yeah, every, everybody that's anybody has gone to nice Cause it's the spot. Like it's freaking, and you can base there and go to other Epic spots as well. Yep, I think that's, where, I think that.
0: that's where he was too. And it's, you know, it just looks yep. cool up there, dude. I don't know. Yep. No, okay sure. what no, about with a train. vehicle like what's yeah, your yeah, next overland?
1: overland man um i got so many like the world's so big man there's so much to do um i really like I, I like really if i if, to if do i look through more in southeast asia like i, to do I was just Vietnam, about to say cambodia and stuff. yeah i want to do it on like a a scooter or, or, or dirt bike like, like the top small, gear
0: small. like the top
1: gear episode <laughs> that, that would be cool. Yeah. Like I, the big, like my big adventure this year, tw- or well, that was last year, 2019, beginning of 2019. I started the year off my wife and I, not my wife at the time, but she was a uh, fiance at the time. We okay. took off and went to South America and we went, spent two months in Chile and Argentina. Traveling down there overland style. So we flew into um Santiago. I bought a forerunner down there. And the idea was I'd buy it and then I'd sell it at the end. And I would only lose a little bit. Because rentals for that for like a two month period is insane. Like Oh yeah, you'd be out thousands and thousands of dollars. Seven, eight grand at least for a crappy rental, right? So how'd you get uh, plates
0: on it and everything?
1: Uh, that's the, that's the thing. Chile's the only place you can do that. So basically you go down there and you file some paperwork and you sort of kind of get a, uh, social security like thing number. And then you're allowed to buy cars in Chile. So it's pretty sweet. Oh, strange. wow. But you can't do that elsewhere down there. Like Argentina doesn't really allow it. So in Chile, you go into Chile, you do this. I spent uh, two weeks trying to find a vehicle, get something fun and interesting. I was looking at like a lot yeah, of Nebo's. Yeah, totally crap. dude. They would, they would make a good story, right? Cause I'm a journalist. I'm like, well, what would be stupid, but really, really fun. And well, I can get some good stories out of it. And
0: something you can't buy here. Right. Exactly. So after
1: weeks of searching, I wanted to hit the road like I was over it, right? So I'm like, and I couldn't find anything. I hate to say this, but like in Chile, they do not take care of their vehicles. Like they're all (laughs) piles of crap. They do no maintenance on them. They just let them run. And then when it starts having a problem, they put new oil in it. Like it's horrible. (laughs) So I ended up with this forerunner that other travelers had. So I'm like, all right, it's been used by some travelers. Like supposedly it had been worked out. I had every fluid flushed. I fixed a couple things on it. And then took off. So I'm like most boring vehicle, most thing that you everyone expects, right? It's a forerunner. I don't need to do shit to yeah, it. Yeah, but it's a It'll forerunner to
0: run and start every time. You right. can enjoy your trip and not play mechanic games.
1: Exactly. And resale should be great in it. I can sleep in the back. I had like a double air mattress. My wife, my wife and I were sleeping in the back of it. It was great. Dude, that's and it so worked cool. Awesome for two weeks. And then in southern Argentina, uh-huh. on the side of the road. The engine failed, like full engine failure. Jeez, <laughs> like, like chunk, 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 and it's out. No, uh, I don't even think it had that many chunks. It was like <laughs> chunk, done. <laughs> it was overheating a little bit the day before, but like I couldn't figure out why, and I uh... had it checked, and no problem. And then, yeah, I, it just failed in the middle of nowhere, Argentina. Well, there so, goes your resale value. Oh, dude, no, it gets worse. So, like, we, I, I, of course, brought – the only thing I always tell people, whenever you go off-road or on adventures, bring a set of Max tracks, a recovery strap, two soft shackles, and make sure you have recovery points on your vehicle. If you have those things, you can get out of any – and a Leatherman, just in case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a Leatherman so, that's got the file built into it. I'm just you. We yeah. already, already determined. Yeah. Totally.
1: So we hook the th- 3 hours later some uh, this awesome Guatemalan couple rolls by with a, a Ford F150 with a huge truck camper on it. All I have is a recovery strap. So str- like stretchy strap, right? Okay. So we hook- they hook us up. We're in a huge wind and snow and like rain storm, like sideways crazy rain they pull us for 60-plus miles over a mountain <laughs> and across the international border into Chile because that's the closest <laughs> city. And in Argentina, they don't sell the Forerunner with the V6 motor that I had. They only sell it with a diesel. So I had to get it back to Chile to even remotely think about getting parts because that's where they sell that engine.
0: So <laughs> You guess, just diesel swap it.
1: See, right, yeah. So I get in. I get into chili. Find a mechanic. Do all this stuff. The engine seized. Like there's no. It, it, it had a head gasket failure. Is the best guess, right? Like full failure. Like seized a piston. Done. Like needs a full rebuild or a new motor. Oh, that's weird. Like you couldn't even
0: crank the the crank.
1: Nope. Nope. Like with a huge extension bar. Like trying to break it loose. And we tried some other stuff. And like whacking it. Like we tried a bunch of shit. It did Dude, it I st- I still, still think you lost like a
0: connecting rod. It was and, done, and locked dude, it yeah. up but okay yeah it wasn't worth it like three
1: th- three four days later i realized like it was a complete loss it was not worth it so we
0: did you even like, just try to find a new motor for it or you're just like We're oh out.
1: dude absolutely yeah no we tried everything like how long would it take to do a rebuild how long would it take to get a motor and install it yeah and but so you can find a motor in a yard left,
0: yeah but you could do a motor in a couple of days. days like two three days you know. even
1: no, not in southern Chile where there's no motors. What are you talking about? That's not an option. There's no, The parts are not there. You can't get it. Like, it's not a... I'm there's not, you, a, it's there's be, not a
0: forerunner in a
1: junkyard or something? There, there's no junkyard. <laughs> no, dude, it's not an option. Like, it's crazy. Like, I, I connected with some... For, like, an off-road... I find that so hard to believe,
0: guys. dude. I, I found a, yeah. I found a um distributor thing for a 1974 Scout in a junkyard in Baja. Like what are the odds of that? You know, like, <laughs> there's great, there's
1: great odds for that because they love the scouts and international scouts in Baja. They're everywhere. There's and those motor and those parts are easy. I mean, I'm no, just, kin- just
0: not- you know, I know they were putting like that engine was like everything ever made, school buses yeah, and weird exactly. trucks and stuff. But dude, what if what if you had this. like a Ford? Would there have been Ford parts down there?
1: there? Dude, there was not parts. Like where I was, you could not <laughs> get this. You, there you, are <laughs> no parts. You could get part like I could get parts sent down there. That's not a problem. But you can't get a whole new motor and no, installed in a, any kind of time or money. Like I would have cost me the, I, I could have gotten it done in maybe two weeks, maybe. But maybe. And that's the problem. It's Chilean time, right? It's like Mexico time. Yeah, Minera, no, I know. What you we'll mean. just do it later. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> so what'd um, you do? Just sell the car for like five hundred bucks and move on? I sold
1: it for scrap, hopped on the ferry, oh
0: went north,
1: God, and a, and rent and used the scrap money it was exactly enough to rent a cheap, tiny, crappy car for another two weeks <laughs> to finish the trip. <laughs>
0: So, oh my God. so you lost grand. the full purchase
1: like a- price Jeez, a- a- like the car's gone yeah so, <laughs> so it was the same amount as renting a car and i had way more headaches but it yeah was but, a great story yeah i mean if you had
0: your own car for a while and you figured out at least how to register one in another country like you could go back oh, yeah. and repeat that again you know what yeah, i mean i don't
1: know if i would but yeah I could. dude, i would love to <laughs>
0: that sounds like a fun adventure
1: man it was I, amazing, dude. We went rock climbing. I, that was a bucket list, too. I went kayaking, whitewater kayaking down the Foodalafu. So I did 24 kilometer, class five, big water, beautiful wow. turquoise, like lush river valley. Like, that's been, it's top three rivers in the world. And I've always wanted to go. I'm a, like I said, I'm a whitewater kayaker. I've been all over the world on you GoPro all
0: this? Like, is there an Exploring Elements YouTube page? <laughs> There
1: is an exploring on this YouTube page, but I did not really go pro this. I definitely shot tons of great photos, not of the whitewater because I was paddling. I hadn't paddled in like five months, and I <laughs> hopped in a bunch of borrowed gear, and I had a broken <laughs> finger, so I couldn't grip the paddle very well, and I, had, and I ran 25K of class five. you know. Like, so I was, I, was, I, was, I was busy not, not videoing. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear
0: you on that. Dude, that sounds but, uh, pretty awesome.
1: But um, it, was, it was epic, dude. Head dry. I did not even <laughs> slip in 25K of Class 5, and I loved it. I want to go back so bad. It was so good. What was it, was it so called? Good. The Fudalafu? The, the the Fudalafu. Fudalafu? It's, it's yeah, it's known as the Fuda. F-U-T-U. Fuda. Fuda. It's so good. Food of the food. It's, the, it's, it's the place, man. The Fudalafu Valley. It's a river valley. There's a town called Fudalafu next to it as well. Um, it is like... Is one of the maybe top four whitewater like places in the world to go? Like, there's a ton of my friends down there right now. In our winter, they're all down there in the summertime having fun on this. Dude, beautiful I want to
0: go river. Go, dude. Bro. I mean, I can't it's do so the sick. rapids thing. I'll drown. Like I'm no, a Chicago. In this rafts, just hopping around. Now, my, my uncle was a kayaker, and we used to always like play with the thing and see if we could like ride ourselves in the lake and stuff. I was yep. always stuck upside down on that stupid thing. Ah, I know. i have learned, but but it's not. <laughs> yeah. That is so not my thing. But yeah, going down dude. there and getting, like, a truck with a motorcycle on the back would be kind of cool.
1: Absolutely, man. There's so many options to go travel down there. It's it's beautiful. Like, Argentina and Chile were unreal. So I still got to go back because I got to get to Ushuaia. Ushuaia is the end of the road. Like, the road ends at the southern tip of South America in Argentina in Ushua- in the town of Ushuaia. It does technically go a little further than that. Wait, than I thought, thought there's, like, ferry. that
0: little ferry to that little island that's super cool. E- exactly. Something to Fuego or something? Tierra del Fuego. Yeah, yeah so that.
1: So you you can, yeah. There's another 20. See, dude, I know something. Some you get you impressed yeah. I even at least do that.
0: You're on it, man. No, I, uh, Wyatt Knox entered a rally down there. Okay. Like he flew down there and some guys had rally cars down in like Argentina and they put him on that ferry, and took him over to that island and like raced on that little island or something. It looked Whoa. it looked awesome. That's the only yeah, reason. why I understand, now.
1: there's only one road down. We we didn't make it. Another, I was like eighty miles from making it to Ushuaia or something, or two hundred miles. I don't mean, know. wasn't when the when the Forerunner yeah. blew up. When the Forerunner, well, yeah, when when we had it towed to that village and didn't get our town
0: and didn't get it fixed. So yeah, it was. um, It's such it a bummer. There. Like you almost so made it to back. the end of the end of the world, and like yeah. sixty that miles short. Yeah,
1: because I've been to the end of the road in Alaska. I haven't done right. all you know everything in between, but that's part of my goal in life. I will do a bunch more of that because it's like Bolivia, um, was it? Bolivia, Ecuador, Peru. Are all super high on my list because there's epic whitewater, epic hiking. My wife's a really good rock climber, so like I I drag her along in in rafts and stuff while I kayak, and then she drags me along and scares the crap out of me on some <laughs> rock climbing stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a good rock climber, but it scares the shit. Dude. Yeah, like, me I, too. I, I, dude. I I ain't, I'm ain't afraid of like heights. Rope in the middle of nowhere off some little carabiner. Like I, I mean, it's fine. I do it, but
0: yeah, I man, do too. Nice, I know yeah. it's safe. I know my knots are safe. And other carabiners are good. I went to like a rock climbing camp thing in like high school and kind of got over my fear of heights, but it still scares the hell. I still have these moments that I have to, like, outthink them. Like, no, Uh, you're anchored in, you're on belay, like, everything's safe, you know, but it's still, like, no, you know? (laughs) It's
1: whatever you're comfortable with, man. I mean, she's super scared in Whitewater because... Like she's had bad experiences flipping upside on a kayak and and whatever. And most people are like that because once you're in whitewater, there's no turning back. Like you're in the rapid, right? Like you right. gotta run, you gotta get somewhere down the rapid. Yeah, you can't. Yeah,
0: especially those canyon ones, like where there's right. no stopping in a in a little pool and getting out
1: yep and um, but rock climbing like you can be way more methodical and go well i'm not gonna reach for that because i'm gonna fall or i can back climb down or hey take up on the rope because I'm gonna fall. <laughs> you know like there's there's way more calculation to it and i get that but like for yeah. me i'm way more comfortable in whitewater like i love that like super focus it's for me it's like you probably can relate as like a race car driver like when you get in the zone like you're completely yeah. focused there's nothing else in the world Scheme, like that like, matters schemes it doesn't like matter that for if you're me. breathing does not doesn't matter if yeah. you got a heartbeat like you're focused on making the next turn or making it to the next rapid like yeah. to the rapid yeah Every, driving race
0: cars and skiing have that same both yep. same sort of like where you're just so in it that you're like sucking up everything and it's hard to explain Absolutely, like, you know I, what I, mean?
1: I, I search for that in everything I do in life and that's like I've recently gotten into some performance driving stuff on the track and I love it I'm so hooked <laughs> I need a I need a I need a street I I'm never I'm, I realize that like I'm almost 40 I've never owned a fun street car i have owned
0: all kinds of cool I think vehicles. I saw you post about that recently you're looking at like sports cars yeah and people were I, suggesting like yeah. Corvettes and Miatas and all sorts of stuff like that I think that was yeah. you uh-huh. Yeah, it
1: was for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, it, the, the thread went insane. There's like hundreds and hundreds of opinions as I knew I would have from all my automotive friends. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get this. No, you got to get this. Well, you should get this, and the smart choice is this. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I hear you. Yeah, it's just <laughs> go go pick the one that you know the best or that looks that appeals to you the most, and and just drive yeah. drive that and drive till the wheels fall off. You know. It's yeah, like, like that. it doesn't really matter. Like how fa- everyone's so focused on like lap times or how many uh, G's it pulls or how good yep. it is, doesn't yep. really matter. As long as you're like at the max of the car, it's usually a lot of fun.
1: I'm all about driving a slow car fast and yep. learning that, and then lear- and then learning how to drive a fast car. I've been in some super fast cars. I was on a, in a ZR1 last year, the, the C8 ZR1, and that yeah. car is mental. Like mental on the track. It's so fast and yeah, it's dude. stupid easy to drive.
0: Yeah, the that's thing. the thing. Like some of these new 911 GT3s oh, and stuff, yeah. like you can you can drive them at like warp speed and like barely even like With you miss any skill. It's yeah, scary. like you miss the when apex, you are you just... line, you're done. You're like toast. But even you're then, like the stability controls these days, like independently break different calipers. Yeah. Like they make it so easy to right the car again when you start to lose it. As long as the you most... don't like panic, if you just hold the thing and let the energy settle out for a second.
1: Right. But you got to have that experience to so know not to panic or not to stab the brake or stab the throttle or yeah, whatever you're doing. Right?
0: Or you, most of it's just don't look at the tree. Like if you yeah, stare yeah. at the road, the yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. like any any other sport, like Anything. whether you're skiing yeah. or whatever. If you yeah. look at the tree, you're going to hit it, dude. It's like, absolutely. But, hey, back yeah, to cars else? for a second. Oh, wait, what were you saying? Yeah. No. I was gonna say the
1: same thing. That the coolest experience I've ever had in a car on pavement oh, yeah. is I took the radical school at Spring Mountain outside of Vegas. Oh so no radi- kidding! Radical racing. So it's a full tube. Yeah, it's a sports with... prototype, dude. They're legit. Right? Yeah, it's a Hayabusa uh, modified Hayabusa motor. Yeah, uh, sequential gearbox. Those like cars are awesome, dude. They're open dude, cockpit. So your fun. head sticking yep.
0: out of them. Absolutely. I didn't realize they like, did that at Spring Mountain.
1: They, uh, yeah, they're one of the like three main radical like sales, distribution, and yeah. schools and build places in the country. Yeah, the other
0: one's uh, the- Atlanta Motorsports Park. My friend Trevor uh, and runs, and they actually do nice. they do racing there. So once you do the school, yep. I don't know if they do it at Spring Mountain, but you can go they pay. Do, yeah. yeah, it's like two grand, and you can race for the whole weekend of the thing.
1: Oh, I didn't know that, but that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I
0: did like a two day course and it was mind blowing. It was like, it's
1: the opposite of the ZR one. Like it's way slower of a car, except it corners way faster, faster. Totally. and it's all like mechanical. So there's no, there's no computer like saving you. Like you're not going to get saved. If you go over the limit, you're going into the weeds. Like, yeah. The or if you like program. stab
0: at the pedals, it actually like changes the weight of the car. Like Absolutely. whereas like everything gets like kind of muted in the production cars. So you end up being I, a really I, good driver. I yeah. learned so much
1: more in that. Thing. I mean, it's a race car. Whereas the one is a street legal wannabe race car, right? Yeah. Like it's, a like, street, it's a street car. That's like based off a race car. Right. Like so a different are, thing.
0: exactly. Like all the bushings that are in a street car, yep. they're like yep. designed so that when you like heavily brake, the, yep. the cars get like a uh, better alignment for braking, So they're more stable. So I'll like the that, car, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the cars will tow in. Like if you were looking at like the lollipops yep. on the back of beauty, control arms are designed to flex So that when you like heavily brake and all the weight goes into them, they like tow in and the car gets like really stable under braking. Doesn't turn as fast while you're doing, yeah.
1: The cornering speed with the downforce and stuff on those radicals is so fun. And then like I I was out doing open lapping with a 360 uh, Ferrari Modena was out there, a challenge car. So they like fully outfitted Ferrari, right? Ton of power, the whole nine yards he would smoke me on the straightaways.
0: Yeah, uh, because you have a Hayabusa Hayabusa motor.
1: He has eight times the power, seven times the power or whatever, right? But in the corners, every single lap, I was just in every corner on him. Like, I'd have to back off the gas, and then I'd have no momentum out of the corner because the guy was like, couldn't, couldn't corner that car like as yep. fast as the radical. Yeah, because so the he radical weighs he nothing. To let me pass, and then he couldn't catch me. Like there was no way. It was awesome. I was so stoked. Was like, I just passed <laughs> a corner on a racetrack. And no, it's racer, true. Like, at all,
0: yeah. So a couple cool. of corners, you get far enough away at the straightaway, doesn't even make a difference. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, hey, I so want to, I want to ask you about traveling in cars, but it's something we're looking at like this weird trip. We're probably not going to do it, but it's uh, like a tour of Scandinavia in the middle of winter. Like it's like, you know, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like the middle of February, like friend of mine moved over to Serbia and he's like looking at those, uh, the Lada, the the thing you mentioned, the little offer, the Neva. Yeah. yeah he yeah. wants one of those so bad. and And I'm like, Dude, let's just get like a $500 BMW and go till it blows up and just come You've home. You've already done
1: that, man. No, I know, I know. But,
0: but that way when, when the motor explodes, you just like walk away, right? It's not like an $8,000 forerunner. Yeah, you, know? you can
1: buy a Neva for like a couple hundred bucks for sure. Like, they're Maybe. all rusted out like horrible,
0: yeah. That's the problem. But, uh, you can, you can buy new ones by the way. Like, so,
1: the newer Lada Nevas are actually really cool, I yeah. That's called the Neva, they're called the just the four by four in Russia, I believe. The Lada four by four, They're really cool,
0: yeah. They look uh, awesome, dude. They got snorkels on them. You know all the some of them are all outfitted up and stuff. Yeah, you can check but, them out for sure, like any truck. So you know, yeah. you went to Chile and you're able to get like that paperwork where you get like a little like Chilean like social security card or whatever it is yep. and register it. What other co- a, yeah, a rut R U T a rut? Huh? Yeah, yeah. What other countries can you go to as an individual and buy a car and then drive it around for a few months? Is that do you know of any others? There's definitely places you can do that. Um, like off the top and, of your head. So, can, True thing to own a
1: car because that's the problem is to own it because you want to get your own insurance and all that stuff, so it's like not an issue.
0: Um, or even if there's man. like a program where like you buy it through like some like LLC corp and like. Finland or you know what I mean like is there a yeah. place set up for adventurers where like so, technically they own your car and there's some weird contract or the, like you, you, you can do that in any pretty much
1: anywhere in the world right so you can go rent in quote air quotes a car from the local dude that wants to get like make some money on his second car that's sitting in his driveway and in theory like he's signing it over that you kind of own it and then you can go across some borders. The border crossing is the issue. If you stay within one country, it's generally not an issue just to rent a rent Right, exactly.
0: like that. So I know in um, the UK... But then the car's we, not in your name. So as you cross right. over the border, you're crossing with some... It's an issue. Right. It's, it it you can, can be. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like the right paperwork and stuff. Yeah. We even go to yeah. Mexico, we had issues. We got to have like a letter yeah. and a copy of the title yeah. and the person has to can be a notarized letter saying you yeah. can bring the vehicle, like... Even Canada
1: is the same way. I've driven a lot of press cars into Canada across the border, and it's the same thing. I had no problems, luckily, but I, you have to have a bunch of paperwork that says, like, "Hey, the, the automaker said I can have this on these dates, and it's okay." Like, kind right? Yeah, it's um, like a
0: copy of the original title, and it's got to be like yeah. notarized, and. Yeah. Um, but I know in the UK, you're asking about like anywhere. In
1: yeah. the UK, you can go and buy a vehicle, but what you got to do is you. The only requirement is you got to have an address. So just find somebody that's a friend or whatever and find like your Airbnb.
0: Like, can you just get an Airbnb until like the paperwork you, shows up?
1: <laughs> you, you, could, you could talk. Well, you know, you don't have to wait for the paperwork. That's the thing. You just have to have an address to have on all the forms so they can send – paperwork or speeding tickets or whatever,
0: too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but how do they validate that the address is they, real? They, as far
1: as I know, they don't... Well, they validate that it's a real address. Well, but yeah, but what if you just, like, got years. an
0: Airbnb and just started sending this some random dude you rented his apartment from, like, all sorts of paperwork for each? Fa- as far
1: as I understand, it's totally cool.
0: Like, I have friends over there that have to keep telling me. They're like, yeah, just come over, and you can register
1: vehicles at my house. It doesn't matter to go, like, travel in, Euro- like, Europe and Africa. You just, go,
0: you just go to, like, the DMV and Secretary of State, whatever, and you're like... Like, here's yep. my car and, and yep. give them an you're address. Sure, it doesn't. Sure
1: your, your passport, your international driver's license, and a UK address.
0: Is that as international know, driver's license it. thing for real? Do you actually have to have that stupid thing?
1: Depends completely on the country,
0: as with most things. So like, have you no, ever actually been asked finds. for it?
1: Uh, I was once in New Zealand. Uh, they asked me for my international driver's license and I had one, I had a triple a, like the one you just fill out the form and pay 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah,
0: Cause they always seems so generic. It's like, why it even so bother? Stupid, yeah. And it works
1: fine. Yeah. But there are other countries that require, um, more than that. Uh, like Japan apparently has, you got to have some internationally certified driver's license thing. And I haven't looked into it a ton, but, um, yeah, apparently you gotta have a little more than that triple a card. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. The one where you just like mail order form, like a driver's license. Yep. Um and the reason why I bring this up the only thing I know is I know like in Germany they used to have export plates. Yep. So like the you know another weird thing that's how we got that cheap 318 TI for like 600 bucks we went up to to Norway with. Yep. Like uh in Germany all the cars got to pass that TÜV inspection every year and it's yeah, like exactly. pretty thorough, you know, like it's way more than even like the state stuff in like say New it's, Hampshire or whatever. Oh,
1: way way worse. It's very similar to what they do in Australia. They have our yearly uh Checks like that, safety checks, and it checks everything. So it's really, really, really hard and expensive to keep a classic car plated in Australia because Same. you got to go through all those safety checks every single year. So Same all thing the cars in Germany. there are amazing that are on the road. Right, the classic it, Mustangs down there are beautiful because they have to be
0: right to pass like, these inspections. Right. Yep. So I exactly. found this weird loophole where if you got export plates, they gave you six weeks to get the car out of the country. Yep. And because you were taking it out of the country, it didn't need to get the TÜV inspection. So all of a sudden there's all these cars all over like whatever German Craigslist site I found. They're like (laughs) amazing cars that passed inspection a year prior, but like some stuff came up, some like rust on the unibody or something and they just do it right. And so now they're worthless. The people who live in Germany can't drive them anymore. And so I wired my friends like 600 bucks and they went and bought the thing and put export plates on it. <laughs> I know that we got we got pulled funny. over once, and the police were like, "What are you doing with export plates like in northern Germany? Like, what do you guys? We're on a road trip. Like, it was a little. They knew what we were doing. They knew we had just bought a car really cheap and we we're screwing around for a month. And they, they weren't happy about it. But we're like, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they were. They're like, They're like, What? So you're gonna fly this car to the United States? And we're like, No. Like, we we're just gonna junkyard it when we were done. <laughs> And they kind of, like, had figured out our whole plan. You know what I mean? Sure. So I guess, sure, sure. like, the license plates have some weird code on them that tells the police, like, you know, it's a sketchy purchase, which kind of sucks because, you know, when we got pulled over, it wasn't exactly... a an opportune time to be pulled over. Uh,
1: they're pretty efficient about that stuff in, in Germany and other European countries. They, they know what's up for sure. With oh, yeah. Stuff. yeah. In I the think... U.S., you can get away with way more. People complain constantly about the stuff you can get away with here, but you can get away with a lot in the U.S., especially in certain states. I mean, Arizona, oh yeah, Nevada. Like, you can, oh, I messaged you my friends out there.
0: Want. I'm like, so wait, we can't just weld up our own roof rack and weld it to the roof of the car? They're like, no, no, you'll be yeah. arrested within a mile of leaving town. Yeah. Like, they well, know well, what Australia products.
1: Is the same way. You can't lift it. Yeah, you if can't you only lift it like one inch or something. Like it's and it's all got to
0: be like uh, basically what like carb kits are in California. Like it's all got to be TUV approved bolt on stuff. Yep. So if you yeah. see anything like random strapped to a car, it just gets pulled over immediately.
1: Yep. Which yeah, is no, and, and stuff even has to have like bull bars are huge in Australia, right? Because they hit kangaroos all the time. So you got every vehicle has like a full on off road bumper essentially. Yeah, I've seen and that. In, and in the U.S., like, a lot of those bumpers, like, in the U.S., bumpers, off-road bumpers don't need to be crash-tested. Like no, you nobody, just you just buy,
0: you just bend it in your garage and weld want. it on. Yeah, totally. But,
1: but that's what's great about, like, a company like ARB, super well-respected, old yeah. brand. They make it all kinds of stuff. Um, their quality slipped on some stuff, but other stuff's been really good lately. But they, they're fully crash-tested bumpers. So, like, those bumpers here, they're not, like, any kind of U.S. crash-tested, but they're fully, like... Crash tested in Australia and certified. So if you want to buy like a bumper that you know your family, the airbags are they're still airbag compliant on the new modern vehicles. Dude, that's so. so if you want to know your family's safe, like you put a bumper like that on it over like a tube thing you welded up in your garage in Baja,
0: right? Exactly, which is what a lot of us do over here. But it's kind of funny yeah. how, how that like they're crash testing <laughs> bull bar huge off road bumpers. Yep. Like I, I want to see one of those videos. Have they posted those online. Like I think what's there are, like, yeah. what's it look like when a years. truck crash tests with a huge front bar on it? You know what I mean, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it definitely changes the, the crumple zones and stuff are a lot different. That.
0: Oh, I would think so. so. It'd probably be a great. Yeah. Do the other thing that I saw that was really weird. I saw a Mad Max semi truck down in Baja, yeah. where like the entire front had like even bigger than those cow catchers on like a locomotive, but yeah. it was like a full on like it oh, stuck yeah. out the front like a big like uh, plow for plowing a field. And then it was like armored all the way up to the top of the hood. It was like, I think it was insane looking and it was a little gross, but I was like, dude, what's the deal? And he's like ghost cows. He's like the cows down there are the same color of the pavement because they're all like bleached out from the sun and the, and the road's still warm at night. So they all go sleep on the road and you're just doing 60 down the highway and they stand up at the last minute. So like they literally come out of nowhere. He's like, I just split them in half. He's like I don't have to stop anymore. <laughs> we were Wyatt and I were so horrified, and we're yeah, looking yeah, at this that's... big, massive. It was like a, it was like a snow plow on the front of the truck, designed for. Anyways, that's yeah. Think what that
1: is going to do to a pedestrian? Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: dude, dude. Think about what it would do to another car? It would cut another car in half. Like what yeah. we were looking at was yeah. so big, it looked like. Something out of like Mad Max or whatever. Oh, dude,
1: I, I've, been, I've been on like State Department do not drive roads all over the globe. And by far, probably the <laughs> sketchiest road I've ever driven, and I've driven it a lot, is the Mex 1 in Baja. Like that road is sketchy as hell. I, I drive off-road as much as possible or all the back roads in Baja. Like yeah. the Mex 1 is sketchy. Isn't it? Like, I've they, been in southern Mexico and Coast. Dude, they Rica ran a race down it three years places.
0: ago. They actually 21? ran, yeah, they ran a, a, a three day tarmac rally for a thousand miles, like five or 600 oh. miles of it were special stages. And yeah. so they just had a police convoy and they'd roll up to where they wanted to start the next stage and the cops would just go ahead and clear the road. And then, I mean, that sounds
1: the, pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. It was but, beyond but, dangerous.
0: I'm like, how do you stop yeah. all the intersections? They're like, well, we pretty much they did don't. it in the mountains where there weren't really crossroads. But there's all those little, yeah, like, yeah. farmers' roads. Cr- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cows right. and dogs on the road. Oh, dude, all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. I think only but, like 10 or 12 cars entered and they the leapfrog them. don't
1: care about some race. They're like, oh, look, it's the road. We need to get to work or whatever. And they're no. going to drive on
0: the road. Dude. If they're going to come
1: out of the middle of the desert. Nobody's going to know where they came from. <laughs> no, that's that exa- happens in
0: a thousand all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right, dude. It's exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly what itself. happened. So they ran I it want one to do year. They will
1: climb down there one year. The Sambatir?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I would, I, I actually I uh, the a section of the course is named after me. If you go look at the course map up at the top, it's Caswell's Curves. Hell yeah, very I, cool. I know. I got like uh, I mean, it, look, it was Hoonigan that really saved it, not me. But um, yeah, their
1: video. I saw that few, two years ago or something. Like yeah, that. like two years yeah.
0: ago. So that year, the organizer had to cancel the event because there wasn't enough publicity and interest. Yep. And I was saving it as like I have some weird races in the world that people don't really know about that like that I, when I want to go do something and cause a big thing, I can co enter and have fun. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so they canceled and, uh, uh, and I was like, no, you can't cancel this thing. Like you just got to stay in it. And, and then like, it'll, it'll grow as Pike peak, Pike's peak continues to like not be as enjoyable for a lot of people to race. They're going to start coming down and running your hill climb. And it's technically the longest hill climb in the world because of the distance. Yeah. Like we can't find one like longer. It looks so good,
1: man. Exactly.
0: And so I was – he canceled it on Friday, and then I got a hold of Scotto, and, you know, they decided to go down there and bring some cars, and it was enough to push, like, the entry fee over and – or, you know, enough to get the organizer enough cash. So he emailed everyone back and said, hey, it's back on. And, right, they went down there, and now it's, like, hugely popular. And I told the guy, I'm like, look, just – stick it in
2: exposure. Right. I'm like,
0: I'm just, just hang in there. They're going to come down with the video production team and photographers. And they're going to like blast this thing out to like every gearhead in North America. Like just hang out for another year, run it one more time. And I promise you like the world will know about it and it'll never go away again. And like, was that
1: that the year that like, what Sarah price drove it? Yeah, Reese Millen and Sarah price. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, Reese Millen and Sarah price went down there and, um, dude, She's a badass
1: by the way. Like she did the thousand this year, what Iron Woman did. And Yeah, she's uh, awesome. She's dude. been she's been killing it. Yeah, I've met her a few times, but she is she's cool. Yeah, I met she, her at the She drives hard.
0: Yeah, I met her at the Mount Washington Hill climb and she was ripping that thing up the paved roads. I wasn't sure how she'd do like up a mountain on a paved road, but the girl's fast. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah she sure. Yeah, she's super cool. Wait, so let's go back to uh let's go back to van life, dude. Sure. So like
1: yeah. my, my crazy ass journey with that, like so I had I lived in that van for like two and a half years, realized it had some major issues for me. Like it wasn't quite off-road okay, capable cool enough. It, it had an extended body, so I dragged the
0: ass of the van in the, in the dirt a lot. Um, oh, and, and that's why only, your new deal had that slope back. Like the, I,
1: had a, I had a way better departure angle. And departure. I built, so I
0: built, my, I built my new
1: truck on a short wheelbase, Ram uh, 2500, 2001 and a half. So it had the 24 valve Cummins. It wasn't automatic, sadly, and the transmission was. Eh. But um, I thought
0: they were like Allison's up, or something. No? no,
1: no, the the weak spot on those uh, Cummins is the transmission. The manuals are the way to get because they never fail. Okay. But everybody that has a manual transmission of one of those is like already like completely trashed it or it has like <laughs> a million miles. Miles, you know? right? And, uh, so I bought like what I thought was a really clean like. Lowish miles like 2001 extended cab short wheelbase. So I had the suicide door extended cab with a 24 valve in a short wheelbase, uh, which is sort of hard to find. And low mile, like 84,000 miles. But I made the mistake. I bought it in New York. I had tons of rust. But anyway. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I rebuilt the whole thing and uh, <laughs> upgraded everything, ripped everything off the back, built this crazy custom camper on the back to live in, designed and built that with a with a manufacturer that was doing those. And then That's cool. took off and lived in it full time for like three plus years. I had it for four years. Um did, and then did you miss and,
0: having yeah. like the connectivity between the drivers area and the living area Absolutely. The the truck, my, my truck was built to have a pass through, but due to
1: some issues I had with the people I was working with to build it, that never really happened. But yeah, absolutely. Van life is the best dude. Like having access to the driver's seat from the bed, like you can still, you can roll in somewhere, like throw the shades on the window, crawl in the back. Nobody even knows you're there. Like it's perfect. And you can get up in the morning and leave. And you don't have to have, like, a full-on campground. You can – I call it stealth camping. Like, you can just right. camp wherever. It doesn't matter because nobody knows if you're in there. It's just a parked van on the side of the road. Now, if you make it all crazy and, like, have tons of RV stuff hanging off of it, yeah. and, like, set up camp outside. Like, or, or even you know, just solar panels tower and tower racks
0: and, and lights and yeah, all that.
1: And, yeah, people are like, wait a minute. Like, they're totally camping in my front yard. Get out of here. <laughs> Dude,
0: my, uh, my friend Travis bought a used, you know, Sprinter van. And it's part of the old FedEx fleet. So, like, it had all the FedEx graphics still on it. Perfect. So, he just left all the graphics. So, everyone just assumes it's a FedEx truck, but inside it's, like, a full-on, like, living setup. And he just parks wherever, and, you know. He's going to school in San Francisco, and the rents there are so high. Oh, yeah, perfect. Right. He's just living in the van. One so, one
1: of my best friends is uh, Stephen Wright. He's one of the top maybe three or four whitewater like freestyle kayakers in the world. Uh-huh. He's lived on the road full time for many 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 years, and he has a uh, literally a hostess van like one of those box <laughs> truck bread trucks, and it's hostess down the side of it. <laughs> That's pretty and awesome. He said like he somebody put like a free Twinkie sticker on it at one point. <laughs> it's pretty funny. but it has the little four BT Cummins in it, which is super durable and just goes forever. But he's God. fully modified it now, and it's got like custom flame on the flames on the side of it, and a big picture
0: of him dropping a waterfall in the back. But
1: the inside is like hardwood floors and hardwood on the walls, and
0: like well, and the full, like, space in those setup. is it's like as big oh, as huge. you can. Yeah, it's like fully full width, full height, totally square, oh. no curved it's, walls. But it's dude, those are
1: than some apartments I've been in in, in Washington D.C. Yeah, bet, right? dude.
0: Seriously, you look at like the Instagram stuff for like van life, and some of these things are pretty amazing. It's also pretty funny to think that, like, you know, this is what we were kind of talking about ways back. Like, you were doing this, and it was like you said, like, hey, dude, stop camping my front yard. Now it's kind (laughs) of like everyone's doing it. Like, I imagine a lot of these places now, now, yeah, yeah, it's like, well, one, it's a little more accepted. But, two, I bet you go to a lot of these places, and there's, like, 20 vans all sitting in the same spot
1: no it's the opposite of that so it's not accepted it's still it's accepted within the community of people that do it and it's accepted as a thing but people people are are more
0: pissed off because they like know what it is
1: right because all the 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 spots that were epic spots that you could like go chill with like one or two other rigs like hiding in some side street in santa cruz or like i know this spot in vegas that i've gone to for years and it's got like it's like 200 yards from like a 24 hour open restaurant and free bathroom and the casino and like it's
0: perfect right for for living on is the road Is it the Peppermill at the restaurant? Uh, no. No no no. <laughs> okay. No, that's no that's not a good idea. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that place is awesome. Anyway, so yeah, go on.
1: The Peppermill in Reno is a great parking lot actually by the way. If any van lifers want a good spot, it's a great spot. Just don't ask. Just park in the outside of the lot and nobody will care. But anyway, so in, all these spots are um Well, most places you can get
0: away with for, like, a night. You know what I mean? Nope,
1: nope, nope. That's the thing. You can't anymore. Like, because so many people, it's oversaturated. So everyone wants part of this van life thing. Everyone went out and bought a Sprinter. And now everybody wants a place to park it without paying. Well, that's great, because I get it. I did it for years. But now everybody knows those key spots. And so it's so hard to find a good spot to, like, really chill and have a camp spot where nobody's going to bother you anymore. Because... Everybody knows about it, so the cops come around and go, "All right, like the neighbors said, there's four vans in my park in my front yard, and they're all camping." <laughs> no like, way! Get so get out of this residential neighborhood. Like I, so a little <laughs> trick that's going to totally blow this up now. But like, if you if you need to go somewhere and you like nothing feels right, like the Walmart parking lot doesn't allow you to, and yeah, like not, San Diego and LA,
0: it. it's banned yeah, overnight it parking so in the Walmart dangerous. lots in San Diego and LA yeah. County.
1: Yeah, and a lot of other places. There's a website that will let you know. I forget what it is, but you can look it up to find out which ones allow you and don't. But the key is, like, if you go into a neighborhood, like, it's late at night, you're tired, you just want to pull over and sleep for, you know, seven hours, whatever, and leave, right? You're not Mm -hmm. setting up camp. You're just
0: moving through Right, yeah, you just need someplace to stop driving.
1: Right, exactly. So just pull off into, like, a neighborhood. Look for a church. Oh, my God, I was just about to say this.
0: But don't
1: park on their property. That's not allowed. That's private property. They own it. It's private. Like that, you could have a problem. It maybe will be fine. But the key is park on the side of the street next to the church where you're not in front of somebody's house, right? And. You're next to the side of the church where there's no like you're not going to bother anybody. It's not near a school. Don't park next to a
0: school. That's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, you're the, the weird dude in a van. I totally like, no, t- dude. <laughs> That's a bad but, idea.
1: I've done it by churches like that a ton of times, and it's you're on a public street, parked legally, and you're maybe not legally allowed to sleep in your van, but as long as you're not like peeing on the side of the car right, exactly, in front of somebody's dude. house where they're going to call you. And you're not parked with like eight of your best friends in the same van. Right. The exactly. It's not lined. No, up totally. It's just you Delivery vans. <laughs> dude, <laughs> yeah.
0: we're joking around that like, you know, like I got that 27 foot RV toy hauler thing, right. That I'm gonna yep. going to be going cross country building like free roll cages for people like race car, Santa Claus.
2: Totally. And,
0: and so like, yeah, here and there you have issues like where to park and, and whatnot. We're joking that we should put some sort of weird, like, um, Like religious church thing on the side of it, so that you could just like park in a bunch of church parking lots, and they'd probably just like let it go for a night. You know what I mean? Like in big church parking lots, you had a huge cross on the side of the thing. Like they'd probably, Uh, you know, they'd probably just assume whatever. And then we figured we just hit every like protected minority group like on the planet, (laughs) so that no cop would ever want to pull the thing over.
1: You just got to have it like the Church of the Spaghetti Monster and have like a huge spaghetti monster on the side of the thing. It'd be perfect.
0: Yeah, no, but it, it is an issue. Like, um, I always yeah. just pay to, to uh, stay in the California campgrounds because yeah. the state parks are awesome. They're safe and they're like super For policed sure. and like all that. Yeah. And uh, so I never ever, I'm never ever trying to like dirty park that thing on the streets, but yeah. I do see tons of those vans. Like, it's yeah. insane. Like, even the, uh, the hotel that I stay in down at the beach. There's yeah. usually like two or three vans that pull in late at night and leave the crack of dawn that aren't staying there. It's like yep, hysterical. It's,
1: it's a known thing, man. It's, but like you said, it's like you see that all the time now because it's so saturated. Like everybody wants to live hashtag van life, right? Yeah, and they're down there the, just the girl surfing a, basically. The girl, right? the girl in a bikini hanging out next to the truck with a solar shower with a cute <laughs> little dog
0: next to her and her doing yoga poses with the sunset. Dude, like, what is up with that? I <laughs> see that you, all the time now on Instagram. Yeah, if you want to be an Instagram
1: fa- Insta-famous, you got to do that. That's the whole scene. So Yeah, you just sells, need, like, a little dog, a dog,
0: yoga, and, gotta and a thong. Sex. You got to have a yes. thong bikini. You There's got to be lots of butt. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty –
1: that that that's why I haven't become super Instagram famous because I just don't I can't do it. Like it's just, it's just funny <laughs> to me. I'm like, "What? Like, yeah, no." Like my wife, I like she's hot, but I'm not going to put her No, you taking a shower no, the sunset. No.
0: So no. Like, no. <laughs> why so you can get like free like uh yoga pants? Like I don't actually understand what they do with those accounts. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Yep. I, I mean, I know yep. some of them I see. Like, they get like you know they just got a whole bunch of new workout gear or something. But like, it's not like ARB is going to start sending you like like bumpers and Atlas is going to be like, here's a new transfer case. I really like that picture of you in the bikini at the waterfall, right? Like, yep, yeah. That's,
1: I just, not, that's not how it works. Although a lot of people think it do it does. That's how that they're like, oh yeah, well I have. I just bought fifty thousand followers, so of course I'm am super Instagram whatever. There I'm is like, that. Well, no, that's that's not how it works.
0: But I, I think like, it's also like uh, like you had a general nature to like or you know in you to go explore, right? And, absolutely. And your yeah. sport or your activity takes place in really remote areas, so yeah. it, it it made sense for you to build something you could like take to those areas and enjoy your sports. Yep. Whereas I feel yeah. like. Some of these van life people, they just got tired of regular life and (laughs) wanted to go on an adventure, and it seemed like a good idea. Yep. because there was one
1: perfectly fine too. Though, yeah,
0: nothing wrong with them. I'm glad they got on the road. Like awesome, they hit the road and they're doing it, and and have taken the 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 pictures.
1: Like there's no right way to do it. Everybody's like, well, this is the way to do it. And what we just said is the way to be like Instagram popular, but the way to be like happy and have a fun life is to follow your own passion for adventure exploration totally or or not like, like right now I have a, I have a roof over my head and like, I'm looking at the future and I'm trying to find a, uh, buy a house with a big ass garage so I can put (laughs) a lot of toys in it and then still go adventure. Like it's totally different priorities change throughout life and you got to be okay with, yeah, there's nothing wrong with with that
0: and there's no, there's nothing wrong with taking, like, a one-week trip in another country versus, like, a three-month yeah. trip. It's, it's yeah. just the fact that you get out and explore is, I think, kind of the, the cool exactly. message. But,
1: but what got into it for me, like, yeah. this
0: whole thing is it wasn't
1: about the vehicle. Like, everybody wants, and some people love that, and it's fine. I'm not going to downplay that. Like, Wait, dude, I've seen
0: some vehicle. rules of overlanding, man, and it's like, <laughs> it's like you know. Yep. You, yeah, you got to have this. You got to have that. It's all
1: nonsense. You, have, you need nothing like to overland. You literally need two feet and go walk and go travel the world. Like people do it all the time. It's called backpacking. <laughs> it's <not that> <laughs> but if you love vehicles, go for it. Or if you're like me and you want to do all these crazy adventure sports, like if I, I if I want to carry around kayaks, kite boards, mountain bikes, climbing gear, running gear and everything else that I do, you have to have a vehicle to haul that crap around. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, me, that, that stuff's a pain in the ass to put on airplanes right so <laughs> I, I put, put it in a truck and drive right you and, drive and, there And I can go to more remote areas and I can live more comfortably than I would setting up and breaking down and living in a tent on the ground every day and just crawling in the back of my rig. And I don't have to find a campground. That's the biggest thing for me. When I, when I lived on the road, like if I'm, if I got to be across the country in four days, like I'm not going to go search for campgrounds and pay for campgrounds to pass out for five hours. I'm going to pull into a rest stop or some side Walmart or whatever, pass out and then move on. Exactly. And do it comfortably. You know, yeah, yeah, and live way more economically that way than buying hotel rooms or. Oh God, yeah, uh, dude, it, it eats up like, cash so like fast. Forty to sixty bucks these days, like yeah, like private campground. Like you might as well get a, a motel six. It's cheaper.
0: Yeah, no, people <laughs> don't. People don't actually uh, appreciate that. Like the the places I camp on the they're on the cliffs above the ocean, like in Carlsbad yeah, and and yeah. Cardiff. So yeah. it's like the campsites are unreal. And yep. because oh, I got I that,
1: spots. yeah, it's yeah nice.
0: exactly. And, and I've got that, that <laughs> rear, uh, toy hauler room with the garage door and the lift gate. Yep. So I back the thing up to the fence and like, uh, when I don't have it full of tools, I put the air mattress in the back yep. and I can sleep like on top of the waves basically. And it's awesome. Yep. But it's like you said, it's like 50 bucks a night, right? Yep. And, like, and it's worth
1: uh, it because you have that, right? Yeah, like, because I have insane that, sunsets. That's a, that's a $400 a night hotel room to get the uh, comparable scenario. Oh, dude, the,
0: the houses across the street are like $3, 4000000 million, yeah. right? The,
1: the biggest key for, for me, well, two angles. One is I get to sleep in my own bed, right? I don't have to sleep in some nasty hotel or nice hotel. It's been like whatever. It's yep. my own bed. And the flip side of that, besides saving money, is like you're – Everybody busts on these people for like for me even for driving around in like a diesel truck. I guarantee you that my carbon footprint driving around the country in that in that thing versus staying in hotels or having an apartment or a house is way smaller.
0: Oh yeah, between I all the heating the house far. and laundry and all the different stuff and the people, yeah. No, yeah. you're you're absolutely right. Like, uh, and wait, the other part of that though is just down the beach in these campgrounds is yeah. like a fully renovated motel that's like brand new bathrooms, brand new linens, and everything. And it's sixty three dollars sure. a night. So for $13 more, it's actually, it's in, uh, it's the roadway in Encinitas, the roadway in Lucadia is like immaculate and they just covered the whole thing in solar. So they're trying to get rid of their footprint too, which is kind of cool. But yeah, it's, it's a block from the beach and 63 bucks a night in, in the off season. So it's like, yeah, I figured out,
1: but you're not sleeping on the cliff like you are. No, with campfires and Yeah, and yeah.
0: yeah, you don't wake up to like, you know, yeah, it's pretty wild. I like it a lot, but, um, that's awesome. No, it's pretty awesome. So okay, wait. So we've covered the van, right? You got the sportmobile yep. you started with, and then you went to the sure. Dodge, and yep. then now you just built a Lexus. I did. So I should you're getting fancy as you get older,
1: right? Yeah, I got the pink, pinky up for sure. No, I'm no. <laughs>
0: no, but you just well, you brought it to SEMA, you won an award. Like, tell us about the tell us tell sure. us why and and what is it.
1: Again it goes back to priorities right like so I'm not living full time in my rig but I'm still I'm a full-time automotive and outdoor ju- photographer and journalist so I'm on the road a lot both air air, air flights as well as driving around so uh-huh. having a vehicle I help run overland events like the Northwest Overland Rally and the Toyo Trail Pass last year in Hood River so I help oh, run wow. events like that it's really nice to still have a bed that's not a tent on the ground and have a nice vehicle to do that in. Um, and I still need to go adventure into remote areas. I love off road travel and going to cool places like really remote trailheads for mountain biking and remote uh, put ins for kayaking and stuff like that. So right. I needed a new rig, right? My, my big dodge was it was just not.
0: really the right
1: tool to like have a house and street park it in portland all the time and not use it right and so it moved on a guy traveled within the last two years went to alaska started a youtube channel called down to mob and he's been killing it with that he just sold it like this week i think to the the third owner
0: oh wow that's pretty wild
1: there's a guy in Virginia, I guess, that's going to go adventure with it now. So it's cool that like that rig's still living on, and people are really using it for what I built it for. So I'm stoked on that.
0: Um, <laughs> Is there a log relax- book with it where like all the owners <laughs> put all their trips? You should have like given it like a log book, you know, where people keep filmed, cool. like a travel diary that stays with the truck. Yeah, it's been know.
1: on the Del- the Dalton and the Dempster, and all the way across the U.S. and I think it's done all across Canada, and it's done. I think 30 something states, 38 states or something. I don't think he added any states, but he did some new routes in uh, Alaska with it. So, yeah. So, oh, that's cool. cool, dude. But uh, it's been the Dempster and the Dalton. So, the fir- the two furthest roads north in America have both been done with that truck now, which is pretty neat. They're easy roads, like generally. But anyway, uh, but, yeah, back to the Lexus. <laughs> yeah. So the Lexus is. Um, it's, it's a, a 20- GX460? 460. So, it's a 2013 GX460. So, I built it. Because I wanted an adventure truck that was like comfortable, could be used as a daily driver. I could street park in Portland, would carry all my gear. I could still sleep inside of it. And I wanted something that was smaller and more off road capable than any of the vehicles I'd had in the past. So I can go do like harder trails and have fun now that I've had the experience and I know how to drive off road. Um, right, exactly. So, like I, I can go on a trip with my friends in Jeep Wranglers and fully built Tacomas and stuff like that, where my big Dodge just physically wouldn't fit down. That trail,
0: yeah. The no thing lift. was also like, like twelve feet tall, dude.
1: Yeah, with the was, mountain bikes and stuff, it was about eleven, almost twelve feet tall. Actually, 11, yeah. Nine, I, think. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was
0: massive. It was like it was like yeah. you know like some giant military vehicle kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that thing had no lift on it either. By the way, like that was running thirty threes with custom suspension, but no lift because I could air it down one inch and slide it in a shipping container and ship it anywhere in the globe. That was the idea. Oh, that's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, high cube shipping container, but it would
0: it would have fit. Yeah, um, but it would have fit. Did you ever do yeah. that though?
1: No, I didn't. No, wow. I did all in North America, but I didn't. Um, but I did try. I did fly to other countries and buy or right. borrow vehicles. I went to a, Australia and wrote for a bunch of magazines down there and uh, borrowed some cars from Toyota and Michigan. Is that when like go. Matt
0: was living down there or something?
1: Yeah, exactly. A, Scott's a good friend of mine. He's a, uh, he was an automotive, uh, editor at a off-road magazine called, uh, unsealed four by four, uh, Pat Callahan media down there gotcha. so he did that for a while. So I went down and stayed with him. That's like not, it was just, I was and putting two York's, and two
0: together. Uh, I was thinking that probably is what happened.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, so totally, yeah. We did we did some cool adventures. So we were in the high country a bunch down there, and uh, which is all on fire right now. Like huge shout out yeah, to all of my Austra- f- uh, Australian Dude, friends that are dealing such with a that. Bummer. Like it's so sketchy. Like it, literally everywhere I was down there. Uh, is, is is on fire, like burning, like it's so scary. Like the, uh, my heart goes out to everybody down there right now. Dealing with that. Yeah.
0: And when it seems to be encroaching like further into civilization too, like it's not, Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like it started in the bush, but it's like, now it seems like, you know,
1: it's old down there. Like the bush goes right into the city. I mean, it's like, yeah, dude. Right. That's what I mean. So like, as
0: it gets closer and closer to towns, there isn't that much space left. For, no, there's
1: there's there's not many fire breaks for sure. That's what I, I mean. Yeah, fire.
0: Yeah. Right, exactly. That's kind of I don't yeah. know the right words. But. It, but-
1: yeah, but anyway, so back to the Lexus. The Lexus I built as as all of that, and I just saw an opportunity. That platform is getting popular. GXOR on Facebook is like a, a hot group right now, and it's growing really fast, and there's a lot of really passionate people about offering. They've kind of discovered this Lexus platform, both the four, GX470 and GX460, which all they are is a Prado 120 and a Prado 150 Land Cruiser from anywhere else in the world with a big old V8, and luxury equipment like Alexis would have. So basically,
0: so they're pretty my, strong underneath.
1: Oh, super strong! So my truck, my GX460, is a fifth-gen Forerunner underneath, like ninety-five percent of that is wow. underneath. And then it has new skin, a big V8, and luxury interior. And to top it off, I bought <laughs> it cheaper than you can buy a fifth-gen Forerunner of the same age with the same kind of mileage.
0: Why is that? Because people are afraid of the Lexus or they want the cool factor of the Forerunner? Because the Forerunner's cool, right? Like that's yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's a and, thing.
1: And there's way more aftermarket support for a Forerunner.
0: I don't know, and, your bumpers look pretty awesome, dude. Trail ready bumpers. Yeah, but I built it.
1: No so that's what I was getting to is there's not many products on the market that are designed for the Lexus products. Okay. So That are quality. Like there's some out there, but like high quality stuff that's really thought out. So I design an interior setup, a front bumper and a roof rack for this truck that has never been done before.
0: Oh, so this front bumper isn't isn't like something
1: standard. That front bumper is not, like, you can now go to Trail Ready Bumpers and buy the GX GXplore bumper that I designed. That's pretty with cool. Trail Ready. That's really so cool. I, I worked with my friend Nick, and we 3D scanned the truck, worked it out, a bunch of designs, and then worked with Dorian at Trail Ready and designed and built a full bumper for this platform that, in my opinion, cru- is way better than anything else on the market. It, it looks awesome. Left. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's got way less of a cleft chin look. Like it's way tighter to the truck, but still fits a full worn 10,000 pound winch and <laughs> has proper recovery points. So it has a better entry angle, proper recovery points, proper solid winch plate. It yeah. has built in lighting. I built into the brush guard a full light bar system in the brush guard, which hasn't really been done as cleanly as we did it no
0: it's It's really nice internally and everything yeah it looks really good it's all flush and awesome looking yeah it's the
1: third basically the second to third generation of the bumper like we went through a lot of stuff to make it like as good as it is that that really curvy body on that truck is really hard to get right with a bumper to make it look right and function right yeah is a lot of them out there kind of look cool but they don't, if you look at it, it doesn't function. Like, the bumper I had on there, it had an off-road bumper when I bought this truck. But, like, the recovery points were bolted on. If you attached, a, like, did a recovery with it, it would rip that right out of the bumper. Like, worthless. Right. Like don't... So like that's that's dumb if you actually want to use the product, so you got to have it
0: work. It yeah, but most function. people are just driving around, you know, L.A. in their yeah, Overland exactly. Lexus yeah. kind of thing. Yeah.
1: By the way, the I'm looking the the run to Starbucks is not the plan with this
0: truck. No, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually looking for that early bumper, and I can't seem to find it. But anyway, guys, cool. uh, what I'm looking at is uh, is his Instagram page, Explore Elements. So right, it's it's yep. technically called Exploring Elements, but the the tag for the page is Explore Elements, right? Yeah,
1: Exploring Elements was too long Instagram wouldn't take the whole thing so it's just yeah that's so annoying
0: exploring elements you'll
1: see it it's my logo it's bright orange yeah. it says exploring elements
0: so. yeah it's very cool so and then you can see the Lexus on there and see the build if you're curious but dude you chose not to put a uh, camper top on it huh is that so you can put all the gear on the roof so yeah so
1: everybody loves rooftop tents right I, I, I have to say I generally I can't despise, stand
0: despise them, them dude they hold I all the moisture you gotta yeah, seal you gotta seal the damn thing up if it's like wet And there's no
1: stealth camping involved ever. Like you said, you're setting up this monstrosity on top of your vehicle. Everybody knows you're camping out. Oh yeah. It folds out, (laughs) takes
0: up the whole parking spot next to you. Even if you get the ones that just pop straight up. So besides all those issues,
1: the only other option to have my gear is to throw a trailer. Trailer doesn't allow me to go some of the places I want to go yep. and doesn't allow me to parallel park and park in a single parking spot, which <laughs> is a requirement of any vehicle I own. So, like, I parallel parked in major cities with my big Dodge camper. No. It's only 20, 20 22 feet long. It would fit in a standard parking spot. Yeah. I camp in the middle of cities. Like, my my RV is 27 feet. Sleep in there. Yeah,
0: it's 27 yeah. feet. I can parallel park into two parking spots.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so right.
0: Because Lexus, like the roof has
1: to be for my gear. I carry whitewater kayaks, sea kayaks, surf kayaks, mountain bikes, Mount bikes. kiteboards, ski gear, like all of it. Right. So, so yeah, what'd you do
0: for the split. the bed? Did you have like a little like board thing that flips over when the rear seats are down, or how'd you make it like flat and comfy?
1: So I, ha- I worked with Goose Gear out of SoCal, and we designed a full custom interior sleep platform drawer system. So in the back of the truck, it's two drawers that are designed um, to be the exact right height that a sleep platform can go over the back seat when it's folded down on okay. one side. Okay. So I only, it's only sleeping for one person. So if my wife comes with me, we have to sleep in a hotel or in a ground tent. And I'm fine. I'd rather sleep in a ground tent than a rooftop tent any day of the week. Yeah. So
0: wait, the... but wait, why is it only one side? Is it because there's like more, um, more storage next to you. So two things. One, I, if, if
1: with it only on one side, I can still have four people in the truck and have my sleep platform deployed. That's one reason. The other reason is in the very back I have an MSA drop slide with a uh, National Luna fridge. So I have a fridge that slides out the back a 12 volt fridge. So that takes up the rest of the room on top of the double drawers. I
0: gotcha. Yeah. So one side of the, one side of the back that could be where a second person sleeping, because that could also like fold all the seats down and you could have a full, full width, like, queen size bed, practically like a double in there,
1: but but you'd lose all your storage for people and you
0: wouldn't be able to have a fridge in there. But I mean, you just fold the bed back and then put the seats up. The
1: full, the full, the bed doesn't fold. It's not that easy. It's really complicated to make a bed that works properly. So this bed platform, it's like two bolts to take it in and out. It doesn't like,
0: Oh, so you drive around basically with one of those seats folded down, like at all times, basically.
1: Yeah, I drive. And, but if I needed to go haul like five people or four people really comfortable on a long road trip and we're not going to sleep in the truck, two bolts, I pull the platform out and I have full access to all the seats in
0: the truck. Does the platform hinge back or slide back or do you have to no, take no, it out? You got to take it out. So it's like a big long recovery board in there almost, it's like a stretcher sort, kind of thing.
1: Sort of. It, Bolted it's, down. Um, this is like prototype negative one on
0: the sleep platform. Like
1: uh, I've been working with Goose Gear for a while. We got the drawers dialed like they fit perfect. We ripped out the third row, put a plate system in the bottom. It's custom fit to the truck. And then the seats are, are the, the the drawer system is exactly the right height. And it's like a 60-40 split almost. So the fridge can come out and drop down. And I can still access one of the drawers fully. Oh, that's so cool. It's, like, it's all really, really functional. Like everything I – like. I have to express this enough. Like, yes, I took it and debuted it at SEMA, and I won a top 10 <laughs> Overland Award, but. It works. It's not a SEMA truck. Like, everything in this truck. I knew you were going there with it. that. Yeah, yeah exactly. no. It, it doesn't have, like, uh, Bluetooth drivetrains. Like, all the axles are fully connected. And I, uh-huh. I went off-roading in Death Valley with my good friend, Dan Greck, who just got back from three years driving around Africa in a Jeep. We went across Death Valley for a couple of days uh, together just taking photos and hanging out and decompressing after being stuck in Vegas at the trade show for a week. So That's pretty like, wild, it, dude. Yeah, no, not, I – road (laughs)
0: capable I know I mean you you do have a Lexus you did go to SEMA you did win an award technically those three things should mean it's not a very capable truck (laughs) exactly exactly, (laughs) but it's the exact opposite of uh you know go guys go check out explore elements on Instagram and you'll see that but uh so, yeah. wait, dude, now you've done all the hardcore stuff, right? You've been all the way down to Chile. You've been to all the states. You've done all the Canada territories, like Labrador, yeah. like God knows why. I mean, it sounds cool, but that's awesome. What is, um, if someone's getting into this for the first time, like they don't have any sure. overland truck, they maybe have a Jeep Wrangler, they maybe have like a stock Toyota or yeah. even just an F 150 pickup truck, where's Perfect. like the most accessible, um, trip for someone to do is it's probably on the West coast, not accessible, but like uh, most stunning. Like if you were to do something uh, okay. easy for your first trip, like, like what's the, uh, the gateway drug for overlanding in like North America. Does that make sense? Like, how do you get them hooked on this? Is it sure. Moab? Is it is no, it? probably not. I mean, um, I'm just, you know, you always the, yeah. hear about the Jeep safari and stuff. Like,
1: what yeah, do you so what do you... That's awesome for hardcore wheeling and there is some epic off-road uh, overland trips. The Rim Rocker Trail is super fun that goes from Moab into Colorado okay. or the Lockhart Basin Road is a little more hardcore like kind of maybe a lot you don't do it as your first trip, but it's super fun <laughs> um, in Moab. Uh, you got to have a capable, not, probably not stock rig to do that, but the okay. rim rocker trail you can do in a stock rig. No problem. Like have good tires and you're fine. As long as the weather doesn't change. Like I did it one time and it got like the, the mud turns into like snot when it snows and it's yeah. gnarly and it's all super exposed, like off cliffs. So like if you slide off the road, like it's the end. You're so Right. Go, so, so go there so and don't go, do it, don't do it in winter. It we'll always care about the weather. Like yeah. I don't care what you're driving or where you're driving. Like conditions matter. Like it doesn't, yeah, the rest of it's nonsense. So no, number that's so one true. is to drive out of your driveway and use <laughs> the truck you have. Totally. Don't, don't sit in your driveway and order crap on Amazon all day long and like build your truck and, Oh, my truck's not built yet. I can't go do something. Yeah. Dude, nonsense. I hate that. Go do it. Like a stock Jeep or Tacoma or an F one fifty. all the vehicles you just named, completely stock off the showroom floor, like give them your money, drive away, buy it used. So you don't care about it as much yep. and go and go use it. Yeah. Like the, so if you, but so what do we, you think we, the we, best you,
0: trip is? Would you, would you go down yeah, to Baja?
1: So, would you go, no, 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 no. Because Baja, a lot of people are. It's intimidating. I mean, I, I guide trips and stuff down there. It's super fun, but it does have some logistical things that you got to consider.
0: Um, yeah, that's true. Country,
1: so you got to. Yeah, and that.
0: if you don't know how that works with like the. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's some you situations you could find yourself in. Absolutely. If you don't know,
1: quickly if you don't know, kind of this, yeah, the yeah the etiquette and the and the way of things. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Um,
0: okay, so not
1: Baja. No, it's it's easy. Like the, the, the go do the Mojave Road. That's that's the gateway drug. That was actually the first overland trip I did, which is just funny. But
0: um, Mojave Road, huh?
1: Mojave Road. So it goes from like Barstow to, um, oh, what is that? It's on the river, like Bullhead City. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in Nevada. So it has everything. It has one small technical-ish rocks area. It has a lot of whoops. Uh, it's a lot. It has some sand. Has some deep sand. It has some two track. It has a dry lake bed. Yeah. Um, It's, I forget how long it is. It's only like 120 miles or something, but it takes some time because it's got all that in it. And there's a ton of offshoot little trails that take you to like old mining towns. And it's got its own little culture Has a mailbox in the middle that you can like take something and leave something and you sign your name. That's cool. It's like fun and out there and you only cross pavement twice, but, but you have outs, so you have two pavement outs. So like I did. Very
0: good point. And you got enough people coming through it that you're not like in the middle of nowhere. nowhere. Like yeah, if you if you yeah. just have food and water to sit tight for a day or two, someone's going to show up.
1: And on top of it, cell reception works works for like 70% of <laughs> this.
0: That's such a huge factor. I yeah, mean, it's like, yeah. I assume I mean, you travel with a sat phone, right? I
1: don't, but I do travel with a uh Garmin inReach, so I have a satellite communicator. I can text with anybody in the world at any time. Whoa. So that, that thing, it works. It's way cheaper than a sat phone, like exponentially cheaper for the plan and the unit. And it works on the um, Iridium satellite network. So it works in like anywhere on the globe, like 95% coverage or something like that. So I've I've used it north of the Arctic circle. I've used it in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I've used it on the equator. I've used it all the way south, like in Argentina and Chile, a bunch when my truck blew up. (laughs) Dude, that's Um, pretty awesome. So, It works like that. I recommend if you're ever doing international travel or remote travel and you need to stay in contact with people, whether you're in a kayak or you're out on a sailboat or you're in a truck, like get a Garmin inReach. Uh, There are a few other options out there now Just make sure whichever you get has two way communication (laughs) because a lot of them have only one way. So you can send out like, hey, I need help. But you can't say, like, <laughs> hey, I, I, I blew a tire. I have three days' worth of food. My, Can you get me?
0: Right. My KTM doesn't work. Look up on yeah. the internet and tell me what to fix exactly don't send in the helicopter that i got to pay for i
1: don't need that i just need a. I just need a spare tire or a compressor because my gear failed or whatever like i need a i need a starter is there one that's better
0: now that you know of like if you were to start over and get one would you get a different brand or a different one you think no no i've I've played with a lot of them and i've read reviews on all of them by
1: far the garmin inreach there's a variety of types of inreaches they all work great yeah like that they work every time and yeah. they're on the right network and the pricing's pretty good. Like it's super competitive with all the people that aren't as good. So there are other <laughs> options, it. but I, I would, I, if anybody asks, like that's what I would buy. There's one or two new ones that rely on your cell phone to do most of it, which I don't like. I like to have it uh, connect to a cell phone so you can do higher level stuff and type easier. Right. But I like to have like, if my cell phone dies, I don't want to not have communication with my sat device. Like That's my sat a device very is my emergency point. thing, so I want my sat device to be able to, like Garmin offers one called the Mini, and it doesn't have any option to like you can hit SOS on it,
0: but right, there's no keyboard else, on you gotta, it. You got you right. got a Bluetooth to your phone to use it as a keyboard. Exactly. So I'd always recommend getting one that has uh, its
1: own uh, text feature built in and connects to the app on your phone.
0: Yeah. Got it. No, I, I totally agree with that. No, that makes sense, too. I mean, I travel with battery packs for my phone because once your phone's gone, you're pretty much done, but but yeah. still, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I,
1: I carry all that, too, and you got to have connections off your car. In theory, hopefully your car is still running. You can run off of that or whatever, but, yeah. An in-reach, like, the battery lasts really long. I, I used it on the Grand Canyon with no battery. I brought some solar and some backup, but I didn't need it. I used it on one battery the entire week and sent out one to two messages a day. Oh, wow. Week le- and straight to social media. No, no photos. <laughs> but uh, I was, I was live posting from the bottle, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I did a self-support winter wild, trip dude. for 11 days. And, um, every day I had a lot, li- a, a live, tracker that told people on my Facebook page, like where I was. Yep. And like, I had a short, like, Hey, my day was awesome. That rapid was sick or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah Right. So yeah. if you would at least follow yeah. along on how far you're progressing through the Canyon during your journey. Totally. Hey yeah. dude, speaking of tech, you, uh, you just came back from CES consumer yeah, electronics sure. show. And, and yeah, uh, that's crazy.
1: Just got back last night.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. what I thought. I, I thought you were like still there maybe even what, yeah. um, I mean, did you saw tons of stuff? Like some of the drone yeah. stuff you posted was insane. The Hyundai, um, what was the craziest thing? Like, Wasn't there like a drone, taxi cab, pod, car system thing?
1: So there's a lot going on, man. Uh, CES is a consumer electronics show for users that don't know. But yeah. I went for the entire week. I was there covering it for gearjunkie.com. A bunch of my coverage is on there with a ton of different stories on the really cool stuff that relates to like outdoor adventure. Oh, and awesome. That's, that's stuff.
0: exactly. So we'll just tell them okay. to go to gearjunkie.com and read about all the tech for, for outdoor yeah, so, absolutely. okay. So uh, what was your favorite cool. though? To give me some highlights,
1: man? Yeah. So they're definitely like the future of mobility is like Hyundai and this company called bell are developing um, vertical takeoff taxi cabs, essentially. So it's not a flying car, but it is like, it holds five people and it, is basically, like, uh, Hyundai joined forces with Uber. Oh, Uber has a new thing they're working on called Uber Elevate, and it's specifically to do taxis in the air, essentially. Oh, so wow. the first mass producer of that is going to be this, uh, I think it's called the sr one or something like that, from Hyundai. And it's a vertical takeoff and landing, super efficient, hybrid electric, like, helicopter plane taxi cab thing right and it's part of their future mobility solution yeah so they basically want to have that with a hub they're calling it which is like a, a landing pad that is um above these little pods that go into the hub that deliver you to this aircraft on on the ground and they're autonomous little bus module things yeah
0: basically. like little pods are like little autonomous cars
1: basically Right. It's a square It's a square autonomous van, and everybody under the sun has been talking about and, and promoting those for, like, 10 years now, and nobody's really uh, – no, um, there's a couple in existence. Ali is made by Local Motors, and yep. that's their kind of foray into it, and they have those live moving in, like, three different places. I think National Harbor just outside of Washington, D.C. It's a small little, like, tourist spot, mm-hmm. and they have these autonomous – Ollie trucks, I think they have to have a driver based on regulations, like, sitting next to the controls or whatever, but he doesn't touch them. And they go around on different bus routes in this little tourist park uh, called National Harbor outside of D.C.
0: So, So like, it's happening.
1: They're testing that technology right now, live, with people, like, general population, not just, uh, you know, the the technicians or whatever. Right, yeah, Um, I have some
0: friends who test drove some of those machines as they were, like, being developed by, like, big, huge brand-name companies. They hired, like... You know, high performance drivers to sit in the car in case like all hell broke loose. Sure, <laughs> right. So they, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, yeah. if things got out of control, they could like wrangle the thing back in and put it back on the street. But that was years ago, and then they they've just haven't hit the public streets yet. But this yeah. uh, this mobility pod thing by Hyundai looks wild because what you'd like yeah, cool. call an Uber, it would come to your house and get you, take you to the little like hub where it yeah. loads you up into this like four rotor drone looking thing and then fly yeah. you to a, another hub. Does it go hub to hub, right?
1: Yeah, hub to hub, or depending on if people build these type of helipads uh, on top of buildings and stuff, they can deliver you straight to buildings as well, in theory.
0: But then it's got to fly that little pod back empty.
1: No, 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 so you don't get in the pod. The pod goes to the hub. You get out of the pod. You walk up one flight of stairs. Oh, another,
0: whatever, man. Hop in, the,
1: hop in the helicopter.
0: Oh, a- so the helicopter is just a helicopter then.
1: Kind of, it's like a, it's it's like a super futuristic miniature version of a military off-spray helicopter, right. vertical takeoff plane thing. Right.
0: I, so I see. It's, I. It, it's not it, even
1: a quadcopter. It's it's got like eight rotors, but they're, it's only like quad for vertical, and it has tilt rotors on the front, but propulsion rotors in the back. Oh, like that's they're cool. All, they're trying all kinds of stuff, and it's fully vaporware right now. Like that's what people <laughs> got to realize. Like this stuff is like future tech that like could be made right now but not for any economical scale and there's too many regulations where it, it's not viable at the moment based on regulations not based on technology but based on like the public perception of how these things would work <laughs> and how that affects our public policies and right
0: laws. no i agree and i see i thought that like you get in this little like four-seater mm-hmm. car that yeah. was like a little square thing And then that thing would load up into the bottom Uh, of the helicopter so that when it goes the next thing, you just never change seats. Like your Uber picks you up.
1: I've seen those concepts before, but none of that was being talked about here. It was
0: all like ground
1: transport and then air transport, separate modules.
0: It doesn't make sense to carry like the wheels and the engine for getting you around streets in the air flight. It's just extra weight that that thing doesn't need. And then unless it's going to tap into the battery pack of the little like car, like, right. why, why fly the extra battery pack when you're already at your own battery pack? absolutely, you yeah. know when four oh, seats yeah. don't weigh a thing, you just strap into the new vehicle right, uh, that was yeah, still I mean, pretty cool though, what um, yeah, that was like big, flashy news, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, what like was that, like the, the small practical about? stuff you saw that was like
1: I mean the super. Practical thing honestly was from uh Cedar Electronics, They're Cobra. Uh, they do like dash cams and uh, radar detectors, is there what they're known for? Oh, yeah, and in- inverters and stuff like that. Well, I got one of their newer ones, uh, the Road Warrior. It's got like a dash cam and radar detector built into one, which is a yeah,
0: flick. F- first one to do that, actually. I think I just heard and about it. This.
1: It is, yeah. So I've had it for a, a couple months. I had that on the truck for SEMA and drove it down there a bunch. And it, it's nice to have a little radar detector, even in a big, heavy SUV. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't drive. Slowly, I have that lead foot problem, but um, yeah, the yeah, but then you get yeah, the dash cool
0: cam stuff. and it's all mounted in one, so you don't have like all these things strapped to your dash cables going everywhere. Exactly. So that was really cool. And but they're new, they have a whole new line of dash cams. And the reality
1: is what the big advantage of their new systems is it all goes into an app in your phone. And it, you in the app has like navigational stuff, but also gives you warnings about everything. So it's all streaming to the cloud from the dash cam and radar detector, and will notify everybody else that has one in in on their system there's no subscription currently for this either. It's just all part of the program. That's pretty cool. You, you get information on where the speed traps are, yep. where the red light cameras are, where there's backup, like live. It's like ways on, on steroids. Content. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're doing – I forget how many hundreds it's like, of billions of data points a day they already are collecting, and it's all getting bigger and more complicated. Big data and connected to the cloud and the world is what everything was at CES this year. Like put a bazillion sensors on your thing and then connect them <laughs> to the cloud and then use AI and um, crazy computing power to – process that into usable data and then download it or then feed it to an app on your phone. Like, that's basically what all of CES was. Like, that's the nutshell of, like, everything in the way the world is going. <laughs> Whether you like Big Brother or not, like, remember in the 80s and 90s, we're all like, oh, Big Brother's watching. Yeah. No, Big Brother is watching everything we do, everywhere we are. Like, they're in the oh, yeah. with us on the phone, they're connected in our connected freaking refrigerators and, like, microwaves, and everybody knows everything about everything, and it's all going to be mass data and the cloud and oh yeah it's, it's quantum computing is going to yep. revolutionize all that with ai ibm was there with a quantum computer mock-up with it like cut in half so you could see the insides It was really cool i thought i'm i'm not a computer geek at all but like that was awesome why was is really, there so really cool. much circuitry or what not at all that's the thing with co- quantum computing it's like whole it's not circuits it's it's not like silicone circuits it's this whole new thing like i'm not even going to do it justice by talking about yeah it. i don't like, know anything it, about like, it to be like, <laughs> totally computing. honest quantum computing basically does like a billion it's like a billion x the computing power of current silicone chips like oh I mean, wow I mean, and there's already 15 of them in the world from IBM and they're already connected to the cloud. So you can log into like IBM supercomputer or whatever.com and access these computers to actually do computations for you right now today. Like anybody, like the public can get on there. It's pretty wild that, that and that's where the future is. Like quantum computing is like the thing. Once they figure out how to miniaturize it and really make it on mass scale at a reasonable value, like that the world changes instantly when that happens.
0: Oh wow. So, so it's sort of like the way we got microchips like uh, late seventies, early eighties and you yeah. know, we went into yeah. like smartphones and stuff like that. Yeah. The the this would be like a next jump.
1: Technology is yeah, that's the next like, just insane. Right, where we go from, like, like Texas instrument
0: calculators to smartphones. This will be going smartphones to whatever the next smartphone is.
1: <laughs> this is. This is smartphones to, like, living on Mars instantly. Like, That's it's that kind cool, of technology.
0: Like it's crazy. It's pretty but cool. But I'm trying
1: to think what other – like, that was cool. The – um. I mean, big news is, like, the Jeep Jeep is now offering plug-in hybrids on three of their new models. There's, like, no data about it. Like, nobody knows anything about it, except they announced that, hey, we have it. And we know where the plug goes into the Jeep Wrangler. But other than that, we (laughs) don't know which motor is going under the hood. We can guess. But we don't know which motor, and we don't know how the hybrid system is really going to line up. But on the Cherokee, the Compass, and the Wrangler are all going to offer a plug-in hybrid by the end of 2020. So, like, quick.
0: I mean, but, like, why? Just so you get, like, carbon footprint stuff? I mean, I know you get, like, instantaneous Uh, torque here and there. Like,
1: Sure, so you're you're talking cafe rules, so they don't have to pay as many taxes as the government. Yeah, Um, but it just doesn't, for, like, an off-road
0: vehicle, like, electric just doesn't seem to be there yet given like the weight of the battery packs the weight of the vehicles that's that's
1: why it's a hybrid plug-in
0: no i know i get it you just keep a little battery and deploy extra torque as needed right
1: so i if you so basically you're getting the torque of like an awesome diesel motor or more and instantaneously you don't have to spool up turbo turbo or turbos on the diesel and then you have the horsepower of the gas motor to like get you through the obstacles like i'm excited to go
0: drive a hybrid even She's better if you could awesome. if you could actually have fully electric for the obstacles it'd be insane because there's, it there's would be. yeah. I, I used to sh- uh, split shop space with E V West that does all these like electric yeah, conversions. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. so the thing that weirded me out about their, their M3 was like, yeah, the torque was like through the roof. I don't even know what it, like 800 foot pounds yeah. or whatever the hell yeah. it is.
1: Way way more than that, but yeah. Totally yeah, honest.
0: but it's like super smooth how it comes out because there's not like, like, yeah, you can't really feel like 6,000 RPMs each 6,000 combustion cycles of like that piston being hammered down by the force. But yeah. it, it definitely like has some sort of like, if you could really stretch it out and feel it there's lots of little miniature torque inputs to it going to do that but crankshaft that, with electric but that's not it's like yeah. it's like having like a water drive it's like totally fluid it's like so yeah. smooth that the tires would break loose and regain traction like if you could just crawl with one of those things you could slow slip it it'd be so controllable and like you easy could. like to to apply like just the slightest amount of torque you can have like gauges instead of having like low range you just flip a gauge and it would deploy like slower on the uh, you know what i mean
1: the, the, is, the issue with that though like it'd be great i'm with you i think like especially for rock crawling like you don't need much range you just need all that power all right exactly it right away for like a 15 mile trail and go crawl around moab to be sick like but the key to that and ev west is got a lot of it figured out is it's all about how you process the battery power and how you translate that and deliver it to the motor. And then what sensors you have on all the drive shaft and the motor and the wheels to, to like make it smart enough to lay that power down in a usable way. No, totally agree. You know, that bazillion, uh, pound feet of torque like you're just going to spin tires all day long and never go anywhere if you oh, don't yeah. control they, it in a reasonable manner through the inputs whatever inputs you have in the driver cabin right that's like, correct it's well, going to be like a joystick or whatever yeah that's exactly like right like heavy machinery like know? the speed controllers
0: right yeah the speed controllers have all these like crazy graphs and charts for like tuning how the oh, how the nuts. as you that's roll nuts. into the pedal and they spent like weeks if not months I think they're still probably even tuning and perfecting oh, and making all it better is
1: tuning it yeah again. so okay.
0: it's it's like more usable, but, and the other thing I was going to do is like king of the hammers is coming up. Like I'm yep. surprised someone hasn't just stuck an electric motor into the front axle and then <laughs> just used it for climbing. And then when they're in the straight sections, regen the hell out of a tiny pack.
1: Yeah, so The like, problem with it for King of the Hammers is, is you're carrying that much weight across the high speed desert sections and you have to have it connect and disconnect in a super reliable way from those front axles. So it's not snapping drive shafts and stuff. Well, that's like, what I mean. Like don't even use a drive shaft.
0: Like just put a rear engine, put a rear engine gas thing in that runs the rear axle or even right. find front engine to the drive shaft the rear axle. It's like a rear wheel drive like trophy truck. Okay. And then just take the front axle and rotate it ninety degrees upward and just mount the motor vertically straight up and down in front of the engine. And just bolt you, the motor directly to the pinion.
1: Center of mass and weight would be too much, and you'd have too much weight over the front axle. Maybe. And you would have you'd be carrying around way too much weight for the high speed section, specifically for the Yeah, but if you only words. needed
0: the if you only need the battery pack for like, I don't know, ten to fifteen minutes per climb. yeah. Right,
1: fifteen minutes at full power—that's a lot of battery,
0: man. I know. That's the a lot difference. Of
1: people don't. People don't get that. Like when you're out on the road, like you're not. Doing
0: <laughs> yeah, it you're power, like. doing fifty miles an hour down pavement. Right. And uses no you're, juice. You're, you're hyper miling. You're not like freaking
1: turning forty no, inch exactly right. tire up a vertical cliff like they do a king of the
0: hammer. Yeah, exactly. No, the same. Same friends. Ev West entered a uh, class one at the Nora Mexico One Thousand, and it was Sweet. the same thing. It would just would eat juice. But the other thing too is that the discharge, eat the amount tires. of heat. <laughs> yeah, the amount of heat created. <laughs> By yeah. by you know unloading that much current that fast into the motors, they're not designed for that either. You know what I mean? To have right. that much yeah.
1: cooling's huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, to have that much of a draw on the actual motor, like yeah. you can load up an electric motor as much as you want. Yep. It just gets hot.
1: You got to cool the mo the, the batteries too, otherwise your efficiency drops out the yep. roof, and then you lose all your all your juice. Totally. Although yeah.
0: Tesla's got that stuff pretty well figured out. Like they're they're pretty they they work pretty well the way they engineered the, the layout of the battery and everything.
1: They all work right. great for what they do. Like yeah. you got, again, applications for those type of technologies. It's different than, like, what, what you like to do and just take a big motor and throw it in some chassis. You're
0: right, totally. Just Perhaps go hammer until quite, it melts. It's not no. It's quite the same anymore. No, you, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, there's all stories I probably shouldn't share, but, yeah, we're like batteries <laughs> see, melting down and stuff. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but and it's, uh, it's all testing. When, it, all, it all happens. So, like, when do you think we'll see an electric vehicle win King of the Hammers? Oh, man. Uh, we're... Win King of the Hammers. Wind, so se- or say top three. Like, when do you think it's capable of being on the podium at King of the Hammers? Man, I don't know if fully, fully developing electric developing
1: that, that technology at this moment. So I would have to go with a rough guess of seven to nine years. I
0: was going to say five to seven. But yeah, cool. Right. I, just, I was just wondering, what about Baja 1000? When do you think we'll see the first Oof. electric car, the- fully electric, win the Baja 1000? Maybe never. Maybe never. Well, they don't have to run the same battery pack. You have to hot swap the packs.
1: Hot swap battery packs. Okay, if you're playing that game, you know, just like you refuel, when, you pull yeah. in, slide the packs yeah. out. Man, I think you're ten, twelve years out on that.
0: Yeah, I would, I would think so, probably too. What yeah. about like uh,
1: Dude, the gas motors they use for those? Even though they're insane, are like the, the efficiencies and the way they figured <laughs> that stuff
0: out. Like, do so they get like two around. miles per gallon?
1: Like yeah, some of those there's, NASCAR there's so much power. like it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're r- discharging a battery into a motor, at, in the in that heat in Baja and at that speed, like to, the the obstacles you got to overcome to make that a fully electric system where you can hot sw- swap batteries and have it durable to take the hits that those trucks. No, are I totally agree, and be light enough. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like the weight of those trucks is stupid light, and that's the only. Otherwise, you're ripping tires apart because yep. you add all the weight and it's blowing suspension and yep, tires
0: exactly. And you build
1: the shock towers exactly. One thing leads to another, and the whole yeah, thing yeah. just
0: becomes like a big problematic mess. I mean, For but sure. like you said, there might be something like you know, not quantum computing itself, but something that's like a change in battery tech or engine tech that like, Oh yeah. You don't you know yeah. what I fact, mean?
1: We're, we're 10 plus years out. That's what I was wondering. So you think, you think, you think it'd be of a number,
0: right? So you don't think it'd be a while that, until we, uh, yeah, for sure. Gotcha. We're, I was thinking about
1: that a lot at CS this year and people have been talking about that. Like, so how long are we going to see the combustion engine live? It's like real life. cycle. like, like when will they, when will the last combustion engine be sold from a dealership for a consumer car?
0: Yeah, no, I've been talking to people about this a lot. I, I think it's like um, two car cycles, and we're in trouble. So, like, Ooh, huh. so meaning like, like not like right now, today, but like as cars start to flip over. So in the next three to four to five years, right? Then you call it, say, what, seven years, six, seven years on a car cycle, you know, yeah, like
1: to build a new car. You're saying,
0: yeah. So like, like call like Corvettes come out pretty quick. Porsches come out pretty quick, but like. Usually, a manufacturer builds like uh you know a model oh, of the you. car, yeah, and yeah, like and
1: a a Forerunner lasts eight years or whatever. Yeah, and then the new yeah. Forerunner
0: comes out like every eight years, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So I think it'll okay. be two complete cycles of every vehicle, and then they'll all, all right. be electric. It's just my fully, hunch.
1: Fully, fully electric.
0: Yeah, like just buy Cause, cause, buy cause
1: combustion engine. Partial electric is like f- four to five years. Everything will have some electricity program in it. Probably,
0: especially because, like, regulations, things get mandated into it. Or,
1: I mean, well, and the performance is there. That's the thing with these hybrids. You add the small battery pack and certain motors on certain axles and this and that. It's sort of getting efficiency, but you're also getting performance. Like, yeah, and especially that's going to be refined. That's going to be really nice.
0: Well, especially most people just you know running errands and and doing small commutes. Yeah. Yeah, run you just you all the time. plug yeah. into your solar at your house and just yep. run electric and no big deal. But, but then you can still the, go on a road trip.
1: The answer to your bigger question, I, I think, is tw- twenty years minimum. Minimum. Yeah. Until that's, we see the last uh, right. internal combustion engine come off off the off the
0: lines. That's kind of what I'm getting at. So, like, if you call For it seven vehicles, seven, like, seven I mean, to eight years, going to be even quicker. Yeah, seven to eight years yeah. on a design cycle. I think it'll you know so like. That's like, what, like 14 to to 16 years? And then we got a bunch of cars that are like mid-cycle, right? And so, like, obviously, like... That's
1: a good guess.
0: You know, the new new Corvette is coming out, right? So you figure that one will probably be one of the last cars to go electric, potentially. Meaning that, like... Uh, I'm just saying, I know the power means it'll go electric quicker. But what I'm getting at, though, is that, like, they released the gas one and then in two more cycles when there won't be a gas corvette anymore is like my gas right. so it's yeah, like I,
1: I think by the end of the C8 you'll feel, you'll see a fully electric C8 in my opinion i think that'll happen i
0: don't know about that
1: you'll see a hybrid electric within a year and a half to two years and then you're going to see a fully electric within the next five to eight years. Because the C8 chassis was designed for that.
0: Yeah, um, no, it, it makes I it, was
1: at the launch of the vehicle and talked to a ton of people about yeah, that stuff. And it looks and like it's, it's
0: designed to just drop right in and be cake almost. In the way that uh, everything I works. That, but yeah, no, but I mean compared to other yeah, designs,
1: you know. And it's a high enough end product that they can, like, debut that. Like, people that are driving C8s, like, they sure some of them go on road trips, but a lot of people just rip around, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally know, and cars and or coffee. whatever in their sports car and then drive to work. Yeah, so no, exactly. They want exactly to be cool, right. and then they want to have the latest, greatest. So it's going to be they're going to yeah. have a fully electric 200, 150, 200 mile range supercar that's Except under two hundred grand.
0: If they do it, they got to do it right. Because like look at what happened with um, the NSX and those front electric whatever it is. Like those things aren't selling. Like people aren't buying them. And, and, and the new
1: NSX isn't selling?
0: Apparently, that's what I was told. And I, I, what I was told is that I've you been can't. I haven't that. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I'm never really that plugged into it, too. But the rumor is like the stupidest people, car friends talking oh, about cars, sure. is that you can't modify it because the front's electric and the gas, the rear's gas or something. So if you start to like mess with your engine or you want to make more power out of it or you want to like tune it, yep. or whatever, the car is basically like you buy it as is and that's it. That's why we but haven't that, really seen. That's the
1: future of all – that's the sad future of all automotive enthusiasm is in terms of performance and that type of thing, in in the next 20 years, there's going to be – it's going to get to a point where there's almost no tuning in terms of power and performance. Well,
0: and you're not going to need it because the cars are going to be so damn fast anyway. It's just this interim period let's, where, like, let's
1: be honest, we don't need it today. <laughs> like, no, we, we want don't. It. I mean, we want
0: it. like, we want it. We want to drive fast, but that, that, it, and that's what I'm getting at. Like, <laughs> if you think about like the people buying Corvettes and how many people are like playing with their cars. There's a, like a whole market out there. Like, like the Overland crowd that just wants to buy stuff on Amazon and yeah. bolt it onto their vehicle. So I, show,
1: show up to cars and coffee with their, with their customized open once for a weekend trip with their family.
0: Dude, that's exactly. Fine. Same thing though. Yeah, in like the like travel, <laughs> no same thing yeah. though. in like a lot of the sports car markets, it's kind of like a weird, you know, yeah. a weird middle ground until we get to the point where it is like fully electric and crazy fast. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, no, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a lot of cool sports cars out there that I would love to buy, but more, yeah. Would you decide on your would... sports car post? What do
1: you? What <laughs> I do you... Not, I? I've not decided. I'm. I got to go drive a couple again because my problem <laughs> is I got. I, I'm a tall
0: dude. Yeah, I was about six, to say three. like, don't Miata isn't the answer. Isn't always Miata for you? You're too tall for no. one.
1: Now let's – come on. Let's be honest. The, the answer to any sports car discussion is always Miata. It's not necessarily <laughs> the most fun or the most interesting at all, but it is always the answer. It really is. I'm driven
0: by myself. There's no it's way. So they're, they're, they're so they're fun. They're so awesome. They're, they're
1: so cheap. You, they're, you can go to auto parts and fix it. Like, it's just – it's yeah, the they're, right answer. They're great
0: but, little cars. But. But, like, but you need to be a little person, excited, dude. Right? No, you
1: don't. I'm 6'3". I got size 13 feet. I, I can drive a of no problem.
0: No, but when you do, when you get in that thing and close the roof. Yeah, like, yeah it's a little snug. With a helmet on, it's a little snug. <laughs> Without you, a
1: helmet, it's fine. But.
0: I mean, have you ever seen the way people are putting seats into the caged ones? They're, like, literally bolted flat to the floor. Like, uh, Sawbelt oh, yeah. came out with a special race seat where the yeah. seat's got, like, channels, so it can literally be a half inch off the floor with the mounting things. Like, four Miatas. Like, no, those cars are a nightmare for track use. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, if you're tall. I don't know. If you're, like, over six feet, you know?
1: Like, that's my problem. Like, I think the S2000 is awesome. The Honda S2000 is great value right now. Yeah. If you want a a car that's going to be reliable, fun, you can make really fast, you can totally track it. Yeah. And enjoy it on the street. Like, that's a great little car. But the foot box on it. I got size 13s, man. I can't even. I can't fit. Like it doesn't. That work. is. It is
0: pretty. It is pretty tiny in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's bad. Like it's the same. Like I know you. You used to have one in Exige, or an yeah, I had a Lotus of Exige for like three yeah. years. It was my daily so driver awesome. too in Chicago. I love that thing. I
1: want one so bad, but I've I been in an Elise which I think has the same foot box, and I can't fit my feet. Like,
0: it just doesn't work. They're, yeah, they're identical. I don't think it's that yeah. bad, is it? Oh, dude.
1: Size 13. Like, all three pedals are really close to
0: Oh, that. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of room down in there, but you're right. The pedals are like like what you find a form in the Ford or something. They're like tiny, tiny little pedals. They're really close yeah. to each other.
1: And the fire, the, the center transmission tunnel encroaches on the gas puddle a little bit. So I can't, my foot physically can't there's get me no, on the gas. There's pedal. no
0: like it, transmission tunnel. It's rear engine. Oh, you mean on the S 2000? Uh, no,
1: you're right. Not trans there's something there that it t- it keeps it really tight on. There's your. There's like foot a the-
0: brace, I think, to the chassis. I haven't been in
1: one in a while. But me yeah, neither. I think there's, there. I think there's,
0: well, the dashboard is like, the dash has got like an aluminum extrusion that goes across like right. where your shins are. Yep. Which is like really low and in the way. Like I always remember thinking <laughs> I was gonna break my shins if I ever crashed that thing hard. And uh I mean uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Sh- shin
1: holes in the dash so
0: you can drive. Well, it dude, I mean those cars are dangerous. My friend um hit a concrete wall in his and and like yeah. shattered him and his occupants all four ankles. Shattered oh. because they the seats are so um shallow yep. and with regular Seatbelts. You submarine the belts at any good accident. It's almost like Uh, like if you drive one of those, you almost need like an anti-submarine racing harness. Just because (laughs) the seats are so laid back and shallow, you're not upright, so your body tends to like slide down and through the belts. It's it's, a
1: car they developed for the track, but then they decided to sell street legal versions. Thank God (laughs) they did.
0: It's literally my. I keep looking at them. I need to buy another one at some point. they were slow. Mine was slow, it was a naturally aspirated one, but they're so fun to drive. You know yeah, what I mean? But they're
1: not. They're not slow. Like let's put those in air. quotes us put slow in air quotes. On that. No, dude. I mean, it, <laughs> you
0: toss that thing into a corner
1: at speed, it's gonna out corner like so many vehicles. Dude, I used
0: to drive through Chicago at, like warp speed that thing. Like a oh, corner sure. a dodge. Someone cut me off. I was doing like uh, I don't know, like a good you know, like forty miles an hour down a street. Someone cut me off. I was able to turn so hard, I drove up the sidewalk and like avoided the whole car. Like, someone, like, someone turned in front of me, and instead of hitting their door, I was able to, like, get on the brakes, turn, rotate, and, like, stopped and made the corner up the sidewalk. Like, I did, like, a 90-degree turn, like, in front of them. Look, I mean, there was no one on the sidewalk. Yeah, I drove right up the little, like, the car's so small, and they had, like, a little, like, handicap thing. Oh, yeah. But it was, like, a big SUV, and he didn't see me, and they turned left right in front of me. Instead of going into his door, I braked and kept turning, but there was, like, a one-way street, so I had, like, nowhere to go. Like, yep. except into a parked car, so I kept turning harder and harder and harder, and I actually got to the sidewalk and went right up the stupid thing and stopped. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the thing turns so well that as long as you can keep control of it, you can kind of like put it anywhere. Sure. But but the that's...
1: SUV probably never saw any of it It just kept driving. no, dude. They didn't you see didn't even know what happened. No,
0: probably didn't even know I was there. Was, <laughs> I mean, that's eventually what happened. Is someone turned left in front of me through traffic and.
1: You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta run like neon dune buggy. Uh, yeah. Dude, you need like whips. <laughs> if you're going to drive
0: in the city like that, you literally need like big whips, like coming That's off funny. the, yeah. Because what happened was the lane, it was a four lane road and the lane next to me was all blocked up, but my sure. lane was still doing 40, 40 miles an hour. Yeah. And someone decided to turn through traffic into a parking lot and was timing the roofs of the car and thought they could make it. And they floored it between two cars. So like, a Subaru came sideways like through parked cars in the left lane. And I just, it just came out of nowhere. I had, I didn't even have time to like get my foot over to the brake. It was wow. scary. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so sure. that little cars are dangerous like that. But, uh, so yeah, what are you going to so get, obvious. dude? You, you should just go get like a Mustang.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's an option. I need to drive one again. Um, the new Mustang, I don't like the seating position in like the new Camaros where the door's like way high. It's yeah, just, no, it's, it's, it's crash impacts. I get it. Like it's yeah. regulations, but, um, a Mustang is very similar in your seating position, um, no from what I, okay. what I know. Um, I don't know. I'm considering like looking at like a BRZ or uh, Infiniti G20. Or... Dude, a BRZ
0: you can get one so cheap now.
1: I know, I know. I'm tempted. Uh, they're they're not quick. Like, let's be honest, but you can do things to make them quicker.
0: Yeah, um, but they're fun on like an autocross course. They'd be fun to learn in on right? the track. Yeah. It'd be yeah, there's yeah. such good handling cars, like you know, like to I've learn. All, with. I've also
1: looked at like old. Um, like an older M3 or even like, a, um, E30, yeah, they're
0: like getting, they're an E30. Yeah, they're expensive now, though, dude. Not, not, an, e, not an E30 M3. An E30 no, of course. M3, yeah, just M3, like a regular E30. But a yeah. BRZ should be faster than an E30 at the track and an autocross. Probably, but again, let's get back to
1: simple to simple car that I can drive quickly to its limit and yep. learn in, not drive fast. No, I no, totally. About you, top totally. Speed. I want to take a car and go to the track or the autocross track and learn how to drive it really well and then improve my 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 personal track times every time I go out. I mean, that's what I want to do. I don't care about splitting the getting the track record or whatever. I got many years of driving before I'm ever going to get there.
0: A, uh, you know, a Specky hey. 30 card actually be if you could find like kind of like a non-winning Specky 30 card that's not worth very much. Yep. You know what I mean? Something like that yep. would be perfect. And, dude, yeah, you know no. the reason why I found E30s when I was younger? It's the yeah. only car that wouldn't crumble under me when I drove it fast. Like, every other car, when I drove it really, really fast, like, it would just come apart at the seams. Yeah. Like, things would just break no. off. Like, wheel bearings would fail, and bushings would come <laughs> apart, and, like, shocks would blow out. Like, the E30, you could just pound yeah. on it, and it just, you know, I don't know, it just wasn't yeah. fast enough to break itself, maybe. You know?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the one that really appeals to me that I'm tempted by, but it's a horrible idea, is I've got a friend that's got a uh, an old 2002 BMW in orange, because orange is my color.
0: Yeah, ink uh, orange. Or is it Colorado? Got, yeah, whatever. But yeah. He's got a little roof rack on it.
1: He goes, kind Dude, of they're so it the cool. It's got like pin, a pin fiberglass hood on it. he has got a stripped <laughs> down with Recaro seats. It's I mean, got, that like, a sounds awesome, awesome but... in the back. Like uh, coilovers dropped on some decent rims and some okay tires, dude. That's probably like e, a
0: that's probably like a twelve thousand dollar car, dude. Oh yeah. wow, it's, it's probably 12, even more than grand. that. Is no, that what it is? Grand. Twelve grand?
1: Yeah. You're you're on it. Twelve grand. But the problem, I drove it. I was like, oh, I'm gonna buy this thing. Is it has like a couple little holes in it? Dude, the unibody's
0: so thin.
1: Yeah, it, there's some stuff on that car. The problem uh-huh. is the steering and the brakes are original two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> and the transmission in the motor are E30, so it I just mean... like it's a go kart, but it. Do- if I took that on a track, I would die. I would toss it in the weeds constantly. Like, there's no way. Like the braking and the steering are just so they're not capable to the motor. Like, it just doesn't work. So I'm sure there's a way to upgrade those things, but I've, I did a quick calculation and I'm like into it 25 grand by then. And it's still going to take a lot of work and nobody's going to know how to work on it. It's going to be weird Frankenstein. I'm like, yeah, uh, no. it's probably not the right choice for a guy. That no, just go
0: get like a, just go get like a spec, you know, E30 because you can fit it because you're tall. I'd say get a spec Miata yep. car with already caged and everything, but you're going to be cramped right. in the thing. I don't right. know, yeah. you know? But dude, just to get back to like uh, the whole thing, you said like no, I mean, but seriously, like the Mojave Road is kind of like you said is the one people should go do as their as their first road,
1: right? If you're on the if you're on the West Coast, go do that. But the thing is, that the, what I try to reiterate to everybody that wants to go overland travel or adventure right. travel in a vehicle, yep, just take what's in your driveway. I don't care what it is; it could be a freaking CRV. It does not matter. Like, take that. And go do something in your backyard. Here in America, we are spoiled rotten. Around every corner, there's amazing things to go see. Even on the East Coast, but it's hard to find. Off-road trails are totally there. Like I've done tons of photo shoots and explored some really stuff. Yeah, what's your favorite on the East Coast? Um, I did a trip in Land Rover Discoveries. Uh, I got a whole story about that coming out in Tread Magazine next month. Awesome. I did uh, north, south, or north to south across Pennsylvania on the Backcountry Discovery Route. It was developed for motorcycles um, in Discoveries, but every generation. So I got to drive a oh, wow. D1, a D3, a D5, and we had a, a D4 and a D2 on the trip that I got to play with and shoot as well. Yeah, so that's it was like cool. a back-to-back comparison of all of every all of Discovery. And all of them modified with about 33-inch tires, the same tire, about the same lift, about the same outfitting. So it was like a really cool
0: test. That is really cool. What's the new discovery like? I mean, obviously, we gotta wait for Tread Magazine to get the article. But...
1: No, 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 it's all good. Disco Five's great, man. Like Lucky Eight Offroad up in uh, Buffalo, New York, they uh, do a ton of aftermarket stuff. They're the ones that built all the aftermarket parts for the uh, Trek uh, Discoveries. That they just did the Trek competition. Like it's like the dealers do a bunch of off-road obstacles and oh, that's cool. team building and stuff. So they brought that competition back this year, and they started it with the Disco Five. And okay. Lucky 8 built all the parts for that. And that, that's the group that I went and did this trip with was the guys at Lucky 8. And um, they are also building some parts for the Defender because, like, this week or next week is the uh, the Trek Defender edition for the top teams that did well in the original competition. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's, like, on the DL or whatever. But the people, <laughs> the people in the know know about it. So we're yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, out, totally. It's all um, good. It's going to be – but, it, yeah, so the new, the new Trek series is going to have uh, Defenders in it. And the defender just hit the U.S. shore. There's like 70 of them in the country now. Yeah, it looks cool, man. Run through the paces. I saw one for the first time. I had to touch it at CES, actually. Um, Why does
0: yeah, the front was- bumper look so low? Is that just <laughs> the pictures it, I've seen? No, because it is. Why do they do that? It looks like it's got like no approach angle. Well, you come on, you know why they did it.
1: Number one, it has more approach angle than the last one, I believe. Okay, um, but but number two is it's arrow. It, I know. You take, that, you take that splitter off the bottom. The first thing you or I are going to do is rip that splitter off the bottom of the thing. Okay, yeah. yeah as long as, your, as our, it's our just a little angle.
0: like thing that goes on there. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just make it like uh, slide up and down or something. No,
1: man, it's a it's a defender, dude. Like they, they, it's a modern car in every single way. So everybody freaks out about the defender. So let's get on that since we're talking about it. The defender. Um, It went from Gen 2, essentially, because it was the series rovers, and then the Defender, and now we have the new Defender, right? Yeah. In, like, what is that? In 1953 or 54 was the first series truck. The Defender came out in... I'm going to butcher this, and people are going to kill me. Yeah, I I think it's the 70s. Uh, It called called the Defender. Um, Yep. And that Defender basically didn't change Jeez. until four years ago when they chopped it off and stopped making it, right? Yep. So every other car on the planet, the Jeep Wrangler, the uh, the Land Cruiser, the Wrangler, they w- have gone every seven to eight years, have gone through and made a new one. So it's been 30-something years since we saw any change in a Defender. So we have to take into account 30-plus years of generational um, like changes, and we got to take that in one big bite. <laughs> and accept the new defender as the new thing. So somehow, if you imagine like three other generations of defenders between what we had four years ago and what we have now, then it's an appropriate look at the new truck. If you look at the new truck and try to compare it to the one that we had four years ago, like you can't. It's not like it's
0: it's Yeah, there's not, no like so evolution different. to it. Right. No, I totally get that. It, it just... it's just a massive leap,
1: not it's an evolution. The thing looks awesome.
0: A, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying like it looks awesome. I just wish it yes. it looked a little more off-roady. And, you know? it's
1: more capable, and it's more capable. People are going to yell at me or whatever, but the new um, defender is more capable. Oh god, and more yeah, more comfortable than the old one. Yeah, dude, but, definitely. But which one do you want to take to the middle of the Serengeti? I'm going to take the old one. Yeah, because but it's simple and you, you can wrench exactly. on it. No, it's exactly, exactly right. I don't. I don't need to bring the computer and it's a couple of techs with me to fix the new one.
0: No, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right, dude. No, that's that's yeah. so true, and that's why you know that's why people love those things. But yeah, I would take the new one yeah. too. New ones They're are new awesome. Ones. Just like the yeah, fact you get sure. a Lexus, you know, off road car now, which is kind, of, which is kind of funny in a way. Dude. I'm excited
1: <laughs> about man. I the, the the thing, the custom roof rack. I put like build a full roof rack that's bigger, bigger than most of them, so it can hold all my gear. And yeah, like it, it looks.
0: It, it looks like it folds out, and you can carry like stuff off the sides of it and stuff. Thing looks massive. It's cool though you guys gotta go check it out for sure.
1: it's, it's like a, it's definitely a compromise between being as wide as it's the narrowest roof rack I've ever owned on any of my personal vehicles.
0: So <laughs> yeah, a, but you're, a... normally your vehicles are like the biggest things on the road. <laughs> no dude, my Volvo wagon had a wider rack on it. Oh <laughs> really? It's Absolutely. just because what the greenhouse like tapers in on those on the Lexus so it's not as big of it's, a footprint. No, it tapers in but
1: it's also like the rack that I put on there it comes to the inside of the rear view mirrors. So it's fully legal. It's not it's wider than the rooftop for sure, which is what most people use. But the got rooftop's it.
0: only like something I mean. something inches. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So curves it curves in. Do anything. Right, the sides yeah. of the car curve in so much that that it yeah. looks bigger than it actually is. I forget how wide I got. I think I went
1: 69 inches or something. But my my Volvo wagon rack was 80 inch bars. So no <laughs> Yeah, yeah but like, I, I, to carry kayaks and skis and mountain bikes all at the same time you right but the there? Volvo
0: was more boxy so it didn't look like it stuck out as much kind of thing no you know it, what I mean? it did like
1: it 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 was low and when I got out of the car I knocked hit myself your head. out twice On I was <laughs> laying on the ground
0: like cast out twice from the bar I shouldn't like, laugh like, but it's kind of funny <laughs> dude
1: I, I felt bad for passengers because they did it all the time and like have huge goosebumps on their heads from getting out of my car. So.
0: <laughs> you just kind of remember to warn everyone when you get out, you yeah. know what I mean? But the, but the Lexus does not have that problem at all. It's plenty high. And then
1: I have, I, I have a three inch lift. It's got full Icon Stage Seven with like three inch dual rate rear springs. Um,
0: oh no, got, it looks legit,
1: dude. I'm teasing you about it being a Lexus. It's it looks. Oh no, I know. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's, it's got, like got, a full on. Saying, it's, got,
1: it, it's built. It's like thirty three point eight inch tires. Um, three inch lift, got the suspension butter, dude. I've got it pretty dialed. Wait, like that. what are that th- What are thirty three
0: point so nice. eight inch tires? So why point
1: eight? To... That's just what the it works out to with BFG sizing. I don't know. Like, oh, but they still sell them as thirty
0: threes, right?
1: Uh, well, they don't sell it. They don't sell it in inches, right? They sell it by like a 275, 80, 16 or a 280 or 285. They sell it by <laughs>
0: dimensions, right? I forget. I, Fair I, honestly, enough. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't look, matter. I was just teasing. I'm like 33.8. But yeah, you yeah. built the car. So you're doing all the math to like figure it all out. Um, yeah, And wedge them in there, right? Yeah, like, yeah, the yeah.
1: Biggest tire. That's the tallest, narrowest tire that I could come up with that would like Work with this chassis, and I still had to do a body mount chop on it, and it still rubs a tiny bit at full lock, at full articulation, which I yeah. had to work on. But.
0: well, whatever. I mean, who yeah, it's,
1: it's it's not too bad anymore because I have done a body mount chop and I've hammered out the inside of the ferret, uh, the wheel wells a lot.
0: But that's so, still a lot of tire to put on that car, then. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's pretty yeah. cool, dude. So, so wait, the, I, one that, uh, the one thing about my Lexus is
1: full finger in the, the pinky in the air is I, I ripped out the heated and cooled leather seats out of the front. What I put in. Yep, everyone freaks out about it. No, dude,
0: in, that's like the best part of all the new cars—those air-conditioned seats, dude. I, I made I made it better, but I did lose air conditioning. Would which you? Is a, which is a travesty. Would you put in there?
1: I put, put Shielman Traveler XXL seats in there. So think what of like are
0: those.
1: So it's a it's a super ergonomic. See, it looks like it looks like a Recaro race seat. Okay. Like a, like a street going one like you'd find in an old m3 or something right okay but it's german they're known for their making porsche they make race seats too uh Schuhlmann. um but the this seat is like super ergonomic and comfortable it does have heating i did put heating in it but it doesn't have ac <laughs> um you can get them with ac but it costs way too much it's not worth doing but
0: yeah okay the, i got uh, you did you put your own heat in or do you buy it like as an option through them it's an option in their kit
1: yeah and then I, I i helped them uh this other company planted technologies uh develop the right seat bracket to make it work properly in this platform. Oh that's cool. Cuz uh, i think i'm only the second there's one guy that put one driver's seat in it's 460 apparently but i'm the first person to put like front and front and uh the passenger and driver seats in this truck. With the right brackets, like done right, and I'm still dialing in a few of the electronics, uh, uh, the electrical with the sensors for the airbags and stuff. I'm yeah, still figuring that out. But totally I'm close. I think I got. I think I got it figured out. I just got to get it done.
0: Um, Dude, these seats are pretty cool. I just looked them up online real quick. Yeah. Which ones did
1: you seat, put in there? The uh, va- uh, the vario XXL. So the XXL refers to the height of the back. So yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. vario XXL, XXL
0: F seat. Yeah. So the
1: but the the key is the bottom is adjustable in and out, so it supports your legs. So like sciatic nerve pain or like I've I've broken back from kayaking. So like driving long distances sucks in crappy seats. Yeah. These seats are badass. And right. Because the front thing hold,
0: slides out to go up under your knee. You mean? Uh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like like hold, all like a lot of the factory place, BMW seats. <laughs>
1: yeah. Exactly. They're they're comfy, man. They're bolstering on it when you're off road. It holds you in place. You're not bouncing around. Like dude, it's so good.
0: these things are that much better than a Lexus SUV. Pull them seat. out of the water, especially, <laughs>
1: especially for relatively athletic people like you and me that aren't like American size. Yeah, like, okay, the I understand. These Lexuses, yeah, so if the if they're seat made came for it is dead flat and like <laughs> made for a 250 pound. Yeah, this thing looks like a Recaro, kind of dude. Lexus. Like yeah. this is
0: like when I think of like Recaro seats for like passenger cars. That's yep. like what this thing looks like, but it's got like. Two adjustment knobs on the lumbar, yep yeah, this thing looks really cool, dude.
1: slips forward with one touch it 's got that adjustable knob at the front that adjusts the bottom cushion yeah you can get you can get it specced in whatever colors you want
0: that's basically
1: cool. uh it's a leatherette on the sides and cloth in the middle is what I got, but you can do leather yeah the that's thing, so nice. you knot. actually
0: stick you actually like are planted, you don 't slide that's around too. in the thing, but it's it also wearing- breathes.
1: Yeah, way more breathable. It's way better when you get it all dirty because I mean I'm getting in out of an off road truck. Like I take it in the mud, so I need to be able to clean them off easy. They're they're just awesome. I don't know. They're, they're that's the one upgrade that's kind of silly
0: but kind of awesome on my Lexus. Like, totally, it's like, it's like the one thing that people are like. Oh, nice fancy seats in a fancy car. Right. Well, like,
1: you took out the air conditioned leather. I'm like, yeah, the leather seats were not that comfortable. They're okay. They're better than a lot of cars, but I put in like the ultimate like. Keep me in place when I'm off-roading. Super comfortable for long road trips. They, I got them in like this brown that somehow matches perfectly to the interior of the. Oh, that's that I cool, like, dude. So it actually they look like a factory upgrade. Like they're oh, they're sweet. well, and the I fact that
0: they're like XXLs, so they're like tall seats for like tall people. Yep, that's got to yep. make a huge difference, man. You know, yeah,
1: And it's just a seat. Yeah. It just fits my shoulders. perfectly. Like, I don't know. It's a good seat. <laughs> so I'm awesome. stoked. I'm really, I'm really stoked on those. And heated seats are like mandatory in my vehicles these days. Yeah, you dude,
0: like, You got it. No, there's just <laughs> yeah. no way, especially like with what you do and you come out of like whatever you're doing and you're like, you yeah. know, just got a Rapids or whatever you're doing. You Nice yeah. toasty seats. So comfy.
1: Well, even five days walking around a trade show. Now I get a nice warm seat and <laughs> my back relax
0: a little bit. standing on concrete for five days. No, that's a, point, that's a good point, dude. That's actually a really good point. It's, it's amazing how exhausting those trade shows are. People don't realize, like, everyone wants to go to SEMA or, or CES and see everything. <laughs> dude, it's a workout. It sounds oh, stupid, dude. but... CES
1: covers all of Vegas. It's bigger than SEMA. So it covers the Las Vegas Convention Center. It's the, it's the, the largest San's trade show, the I think, nation. in the world, dude. It's one of the top couple, It's the largest in
0: the U.S. by far.
1: It's like six different convention centers. Mm -hmm. So this year, I was there open to close Monday through Thursday night, essentially, Mm -hmm. and I covered 85-plus percent of every square foot of that place in every convention center. Like, it was nuts. It was, like... That's, but for me, I had to cover the whole show for an outlet and I wanted to find all the really cool stuff hiding in the corners.
0: Yeah. The stuff that's like, uh, not so obvious, like the Hyundai helicopter thing, but something that's actually like, yeah, Yeah, but like the really cool little things are actually going to like impact our lives in the coming years. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, before we get going, man, I want to ask you one last question here. So if Mojave roads, like the beginner, the one of the best ones to start going like sort of off-roading camping overlanding on which uh which you think is the best in the world like what's the what's the best road for like a i don't know call it like a two-week or a month-long trip or whatever it is you know like like if you could go anywhere and have a vehicle waiting for you where would you go and even if it's one you've already done like what do
1: you think the best is wow the the best is so subjective, but I would say the best is the next one that I haven't done yet. And that's my
0: answer to that. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I know it's I know. different for everyone. Like yours, probably um, yours wow. probably connects the greatest rapids for kayaking, right? May, as maybe, opposed, maybe, you know what I mean. I, as opposed to like someone else uh, might, like your wife might want the best road that connects the best rock climbing sites. But like, so the, what the do you think?
1: That I don't think is super. Dude, I don't, I don't know that it's super doable right now, especially on an American passport, but also because of like the <laughs> terrain and what's happened to it in the last few years, yeah. as well as like availability. And but It's in I, a stand really, country.
0: Is it like over by like the uh, Himalayas? Uh, but, so the, the, the old road of bones through Siberia. Oh yeah.
1: So end up like out in the Kimchaka Peninsula in uh, Eastern or was that? Yeah. Eastern Russia, but go all the way across Russia on like the gnarliest thing, like basically never touching pavement. Some guys did it in motorcycles a few years ago. I know some guys that well, did it many years. What about years the long way
0: around deal? Well, didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't only went on a it. section of it, right? Yeah, you, you can do sections of anything in the world. <laughs> you're gonna, you can do
1: the whole Pan American, <laughs> but if you skip the Darien you're not doing
0: like you're not doing it by road. You know? Wait, like, you're telling me all, all those people that do the full Pan American go through the Darien gap? I thought it was inaccessible. I thought like only one one or two guys has actually gotten a vehicle through the other side of that weird marsh thing on the southern end. It's a lot more than that, but a
1: lot less than you would think. Yeah, so everyone ships around the Darien. Yeah, I mean, dude, just because
0: of the violence, you want to ship around it. That is a big thing. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I I read an article about like, you know, they just grabbed these tourists and kept them for like three months, dragged them around the mountains, and that wasn't too many years back. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. No, the FARC is a, is an issue. the the far, The paramilitary on both sides. Yeah, the no, Army there's there's warring and, uh,
0: factions you uh, can grab by uh, either one. Yeah. yeah, no, dude. I just assumed that like it was considered it's, like acceptable to ferry your car around that oh, it's, section. It's
1: totally, no, absolutely, is more than acceptable. That's what everybody does. <laughs> yeah, like, and you know, I it's did... acceptable. But for me like the adventure of that like the Darien Gap is actually one of the one of the things on my hit list. Just, I like suffering sometimes to be able to accomplish oh, something that very few people have
0: done. I'll send you like, this article about mess, these guys that got kidnapped. It was like in Newsweek yeah, or Time. It. Yeah, you probably yeah. have dude. It was not <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. I,
1: I know a bit about it and I know two groups right now that are planning trips through from through the Americas on a lot of dirt and through the Darien. Oh, and dude. but they're huge money, like crazy money to make it happen appropriately and semi safe and like to get a vehicle through there, you need a small army. I mean, you got to make your own road.
0: Yeah. That's the, the article <laughs> I saw was about a guy who basically like, cut his own road. Like he was doing like, you know, like a hundred yeah. feet a day or something. Like that's,
1: that's <laughs> everybody pretty much. That's how it works. Yeah. But I mean, some guys have done it in motorcycles and it's still beyond gnarly, but like it's a little easier to cut a road for a motorcycle than it is a, you know, SUV.
0: Yeah. So, no, um, I mean, there's some but, crazy but things road, like
1: road of bones is on my, is would be, a Pretty epic, maybe someday for me. Um, I would love also to do like Silk Road, Iran, Iraq, yeah, um, India, like a bunch of that. I know a friend that did it uh three years ago now, and he did it solo in a defender <laughs> um, <laughs> and spent a month in each of those countries and had zero issues, like none. He said, "Iranian, Iran in particular was the friendliest people he's ever met anywhere on the globe." And this guy's been in over a hundred countries.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I hear nothing but you know good things about the uh, about the countries I over there. there. Right now, no, of course right not. Now but is a horrible idea. I mean, as long as you're it's on gone. land, you're probably okay. and Not flying. Bad joke. I know. I'm just choking around. No, yeah. I wouldn't go anywhere near there right now. But um, yeah. did you ever see that movie? What was it called? Point and shoot by the guy who took the motorcycle so. over there. I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. I don't think. What? It's on Netflix. I think it's almost called Point and Point? Shoot. Yeah, it's about this guy's like documentary of his motorcycle trip um, through the Middle East. He wanted uh, to hit like all the Middle East countries. Oh my God! You got to go watch this thing. It's really weird. I, like, I haven't heard that one. There's
1: one uh, right now. X. I think it's the stories on Exhibition Portal. It was in print. Um, Ray Highland, who runs the Northwest. Yeah, there. I know Ray. Oh, He's DC awesome. Yeah. So Ray drove across. He did the Silk Road from London to, London to Singapore in a 1953 Land Rover Series 1 wagon. Dude, he's awesome. a family awesome. of five. So he has three teenage boys and his <laughs> wife and him. Great, and so they modif- awesome. They modified it enough to put a seat in it and better tires on it and made sure it ran sort of. Pulled it out of a field. And then drove the, the entire route. It took them a lot, and they got they had to fix the car in every single country. But again, Iran was one of their favorite. Like, super friendly people. Like, the parts, like, they had, like, a parts uh, drove. They found this, like, secret stash of Land Rover parts. I think that was in Iran. But there's a really, really good story on Expedition Portal right now that Ray wrote about that adventure, London to Singapore, in a Series 1 Land Rover with his, with his family. Like, you want a hardcore, like, badass adventure like that? epitomizes everything about what it should be buy a four hundred dollar yeah. truck put a thousand dollars in repairs <laughs> to make it runnable and then ship it around the world and go do it for a couple months like, Ray's, that's
0: awesome. Ray's pretty awesome he's so mellow when you meet him too he's such like you know what i mean he's such like a chill guy it's like oh yeah she got back from traveling around the world you know what i yeah. mean like i don't right. know I, I like Ray a lot. Super good dude. Wait, dude, you got you got to go watch this point and shoot thing, this documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I'll look it up. It Says an American sets out with his motorbike to find adventure and a sense of manhood, leading him on an extraordinary journey he could not have imagined, including fighting in the Libyan Revolution. So, this is on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I, I mean, it's definitely on Netflix. It, I mean, okay. maybe I got it on iTunes, but it's like uh-huh. uh, came out in 2014, and some dude like. He never really, like, ridden a bike, and he just bought, like, a KLR and, like, yep. shipped it over to the Middle East and carried around, like, a little camcorder. And he has his own, like, little weird quirks, like, which drives me nuts. He keeps, like, going back because he thinks he hits someone, and he has to make sure he didn't hit someone. The dude's, like, a little out there in some of his stuff, you know? <laughs> but yeah. the, it basically, like he was self-filming his own documentary solo. So he'd like set up the camera tripod film and have to go back and get it. So there's a lot of him like goofing around on the bike and like, it's really pretty humble. Um, But then like, I think he gets to like, he gets to like maybe like Iraq or someplace and they won't let him in. So he like starts writing all the newspapers in the States saying like, Hey, I'll be your journalist. I just need like, I just need a journalist press pass and I can sign up for the military. And he gets, right. like, some paper in, like, Maryland or something like that to, like, give him credentials. And then he joins, like, the U.S. military and goes through, like, like a mini journalist boot camp on, like, how to fire machine guns and shoot and, right. and go on patrols. And then goes on patrols with them for a while. And then, like, ends up in, like, Libya as, like, the revolution breaks out. And so he joins up with, like, his buddies that he's hanging out with in Libya and they go like uh, pick up a pickup truck and go raid like an uh, ammunition military base that got blown out, and like find a bunch of like 50 cal and tactical weapons and weld them onto don't, this don't, pickup truck.
1: Don't don't give away all the spoilers, man. That sounds good. <laughs> no, I mean
0: it's not. It's I'm reading it right here in the thing. It's like it's like you just go watch this thing. It's so bizarro. Parts of it are really annoying. Some really bad stuff goes down. Um, But it's so weird. It's not an overlanding thing. It's like a guy who uh, grew up watching like Indiana Jones and wanted to go on his own adventure. But uh, yeah, point and shoot is definitely out there. And and yeah, I don't know that I so much need to go do the, uh, I think you're, I think you're probably better. I like your idea of going and hitting Asia, like on motorcycles.
1: Oh, for sure, man. It's totally viable, and right now they open some of the borders. I heard there's some different with the paperwork. And Vietnam used to be really hard to get in and out of with a vehicle. You can go there and buy one and, like, drive around the country. But, again, crossing border is an issue. Yeah. Uh, I just heard recently that – there's they've opened some things up, and there's some more opportunities to like move between some of those countries with a vehicle that you either own or rent. Um, so that's definitely something on my hit list right
0: now. To is, go, is there a site out. that like covers all this stuff? Like, what do you think the best site is for like traveling with cars? <laughs> Oh man, that's really hard. Like, there's, there's are, do you so go use the forums couple. on
1: Expedition Portals or like? So yeah, the forums on Expedition Portal are really good. They used to be a lot better, in my opinion. But yeah, they're still good. There's a t- there's so much info there, but it's, okay. you gotta dig. You gotta dig it up, right? Yeah, like, a lot yep. of it you gotta find. Like, so
0: what about that the, guy you just hung out with that just did Africa and did? The, yeah, he's got,
1: so, so Dan Greck has the road chose me.
0: Is his Instagram? Yeah, the road account. chose me. Exactly that yep. one sorry
1: yeah, so he, he has, i'm he has new to this accounts account to that and he's got a youtube channel with amazing talks about bribery and talks about like <laughs> border crossings and all that right now on instagram <coughs> on instagram he's talking about going he did the pan-american it was well before africa
0: right he's okay yeah
1: about, he's breaking it down and giving lessons right now every single day on instagram about what what the deal is so it's pretty cool on how to overland but he is um
0: it's very cool, dude. The road shows yeah. me, but his website and or his YouTube series is kind of like so far the best place to learn.
1: That's really good. But he also started years ago a thing called Wiki Overland. I think it's com, but I can't remember. if It's a .dot org. It might be .dot org, but Wiki Overland, and it's literally an online wiki like Wikipedia, but specifically for overlanding.
0: That's awesome. And it's awesome. all
1: publicly sourced, and so it has really up to date information. That's about what, it, right, because it all how changes. To do border crossing, it changes constantly, so it gives you the most up to date thing about where you can camp, where it's safe, where it's unsafe, what borders you go across, what kind of vehicles are in what countries, like That's all kinds so of good awesome. information.
0: That's what and I'm looking for. It's all publicly
1: sourced, so anybody that it's out there doing it hopefully is providing some information about site um but yeah Expedition portal for sure um
0: no the, it sounds like greg's wiki overland and the road Chose dan, me is probably dan, a good dan place Grek. dan, dan Greg, sorry dan yeah, Grek. dan Greg. the
1: road Chose me yeah awesome resource his youtube channel is phenomenal and he's building that up a bunch right now um oh, with perfect. content from the last three three years the oh man what was it i feel yeah, that's so time. cool it's like 15 40, I'm going to blow it out of the way. It's three years in Epic. He circumnavigated <laughs> Africa by himself in a Jeep. It's freaking awesome. That anyway, is cool, uh, dude.
0: That is really cool.
1: Yeah. And then I'm trying to think what other resources. The, the best resources, honestly, besides those, is go on Facebook and look for user groups that specifically target where you want to go and where you want to travel. Like there's a Pan American travelers group. And it's specifically for people that want to do the Americas and it's great. And it's up to date. So if somebody has an issue with a border, they'll post right on Facebook. So it's great. That's a really good resource in general, but even better if you're about to go do it.
0: Yeah, because it's really timely.
1: Like you don't have to dig through it. You just go to the most recent stuff and go, oh, okay, that border is an issue or that's not an issue or whatever. And you can ask right away on there and people that have just done it will answer your questions.
0: Yep. So that's the way to go. Facebook groups for the region that you want to go travel in. Yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Or the specific trip. I think there's even like a Mojave Road one or something and there's other (laughs) ones that specifically target trips, you know, like adventure (laughs) angles. So, I mean, there's a bunch for Moab. You know, you want to go wheel in Moab. There's tons of
0: yeah, no, correct. for sure, for sure. I yeah. just I was wondering like where you get, but some of this international stuff's hard to track down, and and like you've it done is. a lot of it, and you know a lot of the guys that do it. And... Start,
1: start on Wiki Overland, yeah. uh, go to Exhibition Portal, and then through those, hopefully they will lead you to specific people that have done whatever you're doing recently. So that's one thing I'm going to advise: is whatever information you're getting. Go get it from super recent information. I know people that are still teaching about some of these places they've been like 15 years ago. It's totally irrelevant. It doesn't matter. That shit doesn't – the world changes so fast. so fast. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, 2005? That's 15 – that's actually a good example. 15 years ago, I was in Zimbabwe, got held up at gunpoint multiple times. Dan was in Zimbabwe like last year. It was epic. He said it was the best country in Africa, like super friendly people. It was awesome. I have right. a friend that lives there now. He loves it. Like it's super – He has, he's raising a family. In right. Life.
0: Like it's countries fun. change, especially like Africa and places like that. Things change so fast.
1: Quick change, man. Like the <laughs> yeah. politics and the money, like it changes day right. no, That's daily a really, sometimes. really
0: good point. Dude, I think that's, I think that's some seriously good information, man. I,
1: for you sure. know,
0: like, uh, anything else that, uh, that I should be asking you about, or you want to plug, uh, man. well, let's go through the plugs again real quick. So you got to explore, explore elements on Instagram, yeah, right?
1: Exploring, exploring is my website. It's kind of a mess right now. I'm getting it revamped this month. It'll be shiny here in a couple in a couple weeks.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, you're writing for, right you're writing for gear <laughs> um, junkie.
1: I'm the main automotive editor at Gear Junkie and do a ton of other content for them. I'm the feature editor over at Tread Magazine, so an off-road lifestyle print mag. Very uh, cool. Regular contributor over at Diesel World Magazine. So oh, I do yeah. a lot of uh, vehicle features for them, like after SEMA and stuff. And uh, automotive photography and adventure photography is my passion in this world. So if I can go do cool experiences, kayaking, skiing, off-roading, whatever, and then <laughs> capture amazing images of that, that's
0: my passion. I'm all- <laughs> So yeah, so if you're an editor anywhere world, in those spaces, but... you want to call Brian right now.
1: <laughs> Please do. I'm always up for new work, but uh, I'm busy at the moment. But no, yeah, no, it. no <laughs> doubt. It sounds like you're really busy. Uh, it's keep them busy, which is a good thing, man. Yep. It's, it's definitely a, the automotive landscape right now for journalists is changing a ton. A bunch yeah. of big companies just uh, shut down a ton of print magazines. Yep. A bunch of online outlets are cutting their staff. Yep. The automotive pr- automotive media. Sp- right now is really really tough
0: isn't it um, i mean it's crazy so, with uh motor trend or whatever it is 10 yeah, 10 trend, what do they call themselves now TV or whatever 10.
1: motor trend group bought 10
0: yeah uh, like a the, year ago right and
1: they just chopped i think it was 19 i think i saw 21 or
0: something or 19 of yeah, the 21 yeah. got cut exactly so they kept three of their 21 print publications Which and is,
1: all those publications, are in theory are still alive and well, alive and well, in air
0: quotes, online. Yeah, but,
1: um, but we'll
0: see how that shakes out if they can really. Yeah, that
1: was only like a month or two ago. So right. that's, yeah, that's a whole. And can they really, I know, sup- like, you know. com is a massive online outlet. They just chopped a bunch of their staff. So <laughs> there's a yeah. lot going on in no, There's, a, there's a lot going tough.
0: on. It's going to be like a small set of car reviews going forward and then, you know, a couple of cool people doing, you know, awesome yeah. stuff like you are and like exploring elements and other stuff that's like it's just gonna be interesting things are gonna get like really divided into like super niche and the rest is all gonna be like everyone on the same Corvette press launch you know what I mean yeah yep but exactly I know. yeah
1: it's, it's cool I, I definitely I try hard to be that guy that's the intersection of automotive and adventure and adventure travel to do sports and things like I like doing that's why I got into it like I didn't get I've always been a vehicle guy they're cool yeah but I've never been like a wrencher or a racer or no whatever. totally I loved, I'd love to get into more of that, but I got into it so I could go adventure and whatever that means, whether it be, you know, kayaking or just going to a foreign country and exploring it. Like, what? I almost don't feel like I've been to a country unless I've driven in that country. Like, I love driving (laughs) in foreign countries. Like, my my wife freaks out all the time because we were in Italy a couple years ago. We're in like a pile of crap rental car, like you know, driving. I think was that was on the right side of the road or whatever. But manual transmission, no power in the mountains, in the in the in the snow. And I'm just rally driving. That thing. I'm having the time of my life. And she's like a little car sick and I feel bad. But like, it was so fun.
0: Like, yeah, you know, like dude. That, that kind of thing. Like, I love it. Exploring the world in vehicles is super fun. Like,
1: way Super fun, Absolutely. No, I'm, I am I got my next few things. I'm hoping to chase in some of your foot and go do, like, the Autobahn and the Norch and go do some ice driving in, in Norway. Like, that kind of stuff is pretty high on my list of things to do. I just haven't found the right opportunity to, like, make it viable financially.
0: So. Yeah, it, it, that's the tough part. Some of these countries are, like, incredibly expensive to go play with cars in. You know what I mean? Well, to, to go at all. Like, I'm, like I said,
1: I'm going to Japan next month. Japan is stupid expensive. Like, yeah. it's
0: not that bad to get there. I mean, it's No, cheap, but just but it's not doing bad. anything there in country is expensive. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I have like a, you know, a
1: three-star hotel at Niseko, and I think it's like, 200 something dollars a night. Like yeah. It's, it's well, pricey. you're also at a ski resort, too, though. So, I mean, that's yeah, not... Yeah, absolutely. In the wintertime, in prime time ski season. I mean, that's why I'm going, right? I can walk to the lift, and I'm going to go shred pow all day. That's And that's, the and that's not
0: <laughs> that bad for being, like, walkable to the lift. I mean, nowadays, uh, you go to dude, any of the that, nice... That, that was a month and a half of research
1: to find that place. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've got my
0: secret little stashes in all the ski towns, but most of them are, like, getting bought up and turned into condos or... Turned yep. into luxury hotels. Like I used to have these really trashed, beat out little like ski lodges that I'd stay at. Yep. And going all the way back to like the Best Western at Jackson Hole, that thing was the greatest steal <laughs> ever. It was a hundred bucks a night on the. Wow, nice. It was right on the edge of the. Um, it was in the parking lot, like on you oh, ski in, what? ski out. Yeah, dude, they tore it down and it's all like fancy now. But oh, yeah, there I was, was a.
1: Say that's epic. I'm going right now. I'm no, I mean, it's been it's been
0: gone for like a decade, I think. Uh, okay. But um, but yeah, it was this little like Best Western hotel for 100 bucks a night with like a really nice hot tub <laughs> right at the bottom of the tram, and uh, it was like the best thing ever in skiing. But yeah, most of them are gone now. So find so the way,
1: the way to get around that uh-huh. is build a nice camper or suv with a heater <laughs> yeah, system in it like weird. matt scott right now he has a jeep gladiator with a at uh, summit camper on the back and he's got an a s or a Wabasto heater system in it so he can park in any camping any spot that allows him to in the mountains and then throw the heater on and go skiing he's not yeah. a skier but it's
0: a set <laughs> to do that <laughs> well that's why i asked you about the heater i'm like i wonder if i could just take my rv to the mountains and ski yeah.
1: Or just get a good sleeping bag. Quite honestly, my rig currently has no heater. I don't plan to put one in. I don't want to add the weight. It's it's a small rig. I just crawl in the back and go to sleep. Like, whatever. A good, <laughs> good sleeping bag and put a beanie cap on and you're good to go. No,
0: that is true. Do you wear a beanie cap and you get a good, like, warm, zero or mm-hmm. negative 20 bag? Yeah. Warm
1: warm up in the lodge in the morning with a nice warm breakfast. No, and then it's go not that the bad. But
0: it is nice. I, it doesn't matter how warm your bag is. I still end up waking up and turning the engine on in the car and running the engine's heater. Like, Cause you just so wake it, up and you're like, it's so cold. Like, but on, the air you're breathing into your lungs is just like freezing cold. Yeah.
1: On that note, I guess a good way to wrap all this up. Is yeah. Like the, the advice I would give anybody. Well, one we talked about already is just use what you got and leave the driveway. Like, don't yep. like worry about shipping around the world. Don't worry about outfitting it. Don't worry about like all that crap, have yep. the reliable vehicle that you already have in your driveway yep. and just go use it. Now, with that said, there are a couple things I would do, and I recommend this in, to everyone. Battery powered carbon
0: monoxide tester. No,
1: no, no. Don't you don't need a heater. Just buy your sleeping bag.
0: <laughs> no, no, but I mean like like I went and bought in Walmart a battery powered carbon monoxide yep. detector and stuck that in the back of my car. So like if you ever have like an exhaust leak or something stupid and you fall asleep, <laughs> dude, it's yeah, not no, a bad thing to have. Like
1: don't leave your car running when you're sleeping. That's a horrible yeah, idea. Yeah, but sometimes and, you get tired. Don't,
0: don't, don't be Caswell with rusted out
1: back of the car <laughs> with the exhaust rusting and but the air coming in. 30
0: Come bucks on. and you got a little battery powered you know carbon <laughs> oxide detector to wake you up. Right. I don't know. But, what,
1: but if, if you're Caswell, you do that. If you're Brian, you do this. What you do is yeah. you put good, number one, you put good tires on whatever truck you have. Yeah, that's so true. Yep. I don't care if it's two wheel drive or four wheel drive. Yeah, if that you have, doesn't matter. No, put if you have good, good tires. Rubber on it. Yep. That, good rubber doesn't mean massive 35s or whatever. Just put good. At tires, yep, four season rated, snow rated. Yep. At tires, you don't yep. need mud train for most things. No, nope. you don't. You don't want a street tire that can't handle mud and sand, and you want something that can handle lots of rain and snow, and so snow. you can go anywhere you want whenever you feel
0: like. Yeah, just because it's an off road mud tire doesn't mean it's good in the snow. You need no, they snow suck in the snow. They're generally. right, they're exactly. <laughs> mud need. trains are horrible. Yeah, so that's that's right. what I was kind of. You know, people <laughs> yeah. don't realize that they like think their off road tire be great in snow. Yeah, they look they burly, look awesome. but you have no grip. <laughs>
1: Again, don't don't make it. It doesn't have to look amazing. It just has to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so tires number one. Yep. No. Nope. Uh, well, maybe maintenance and the truck working right, <laughs> whatever it is, just work right. No rust. Way. Number two is yeah. tire. Well, yeah, I'm a no rust guy for I know. sure. And then. Um, the other thing, whenever it's like, well, what do I get for off-road recovery? I got to put a winch and a bumper and all. No, 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 no. Don't bother. Like, yeah, yes. If you you might need that stuff, maybe mm-hmm. like if you're going to go certain places. But the key to any vehicle have a basic set of tools. Yep. Have a set of max, max tracks. tracks. Exactly totally. one set that will get you out of way more than you ever think they will be. I've used them all over the globe. Yeah. Uh, a set of or a, a set of two um, soft shackles. Yeah, and a recovery strap. That setup, nothing more, will get you out of like 90% of everything you get in, even if you have all the other crap on your vehicle. No, now, it's so only, true. The only thing you have to have with that is one, travel with at least one other vehicle if you're going yep. to anywhere gnarly, so you can recover and, each other. And
0: attachment and, points on your car that are valid. Exactly, that was my other point. Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm no, not going to no, talk over you. I'm going to steal you're your punchline. Perfect, punch
1: line. perfect. perfect. <laughs> that's the punchline is... A lot of cars just have, like, tie-downs, not recovery points. So if you got to bolt a little, like, hook on the bottom of your frame rail, that's fine. Just do it. Yeah, exactly. Reinforce it. Don't throw the strap around the, like – a OEM crappy, um, yeah. Bumper, no, they rip right off. And don't throw it around the axle, which I will say I've done. I'm that guy. I not mean, do it. If I you mean, don't have
0: any other option, you're in the middle of nowhere. That's what I was gonna I got, say. If you're, you're really out. screwed, you just hook it onto anything you can. But, but you
1: generally will break ruin, a lot of, yeah, ruin, yeah, things that shouldn't be done. So. Yeah, I
0: know you'll break a lot of stuff with that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But um, I mean, that's an yeah, easy that's thing. Easy. That's just a pretty easy thing to do. Like if you know you're going out someplace, it's, you can. A lot of cars, like you know have kits you can buy that'll put a real uh yeah, yeah. anchor point on it but yep, you can also yeah. just go to any shop and explain what you're doing and they'll weld on you know you something buy, into like, your frame that that's yeah, not you going can even anywhere
1: bolt on ones for most vehicles like that's a what i Airbnb mean makes one for a tacoma you it, use two bolts exactly now if you weld it on that's better but you don't need no you, you don't need a solid to Solid, ma- meant for recovery yep, point you're i just good.
0: mean even if you're doing something in some vehicle maybe that they don't sell a lot of stuff for sure you know, like your sure. Lexus or something. You just take it to a shop and be right. like, hey, can you weld put, a little thing? On yeah, buy hand. the recovery point for the closest car and then take it in and be right. like, weld this onto my frame, please. But
1: even with that said, like, know what your recovery point is. So think of like a Volkswagen GTI, right? Great little car. Uh, or the Jetta, they have a little little window in the front bumper. You pop it out, and yeah. then you swivel in a hook. And that's what they use for, like, the racetrack and stuff. But that's the recovery tow point on the vehicle. And it's a fully valid tow point. Like, you can kind recover of. off of that. I mean, yeah, it's – if you're taking it – wherever you can take a GTI, that's a valid tow <laughs> okay, point that, That's point. Okay,
0: that's probably about fair. I, I swamped my car outside of Blackhawk Farms, like, racetrack, like, way off yep. the corner into, like, a mucky swamp. And it was yeah. buried in all four rockers, all the way down. We we hooked to that point yeah. because I screwed the little hook in there, like all racers do. Did it rip really? the whole bumper right off the fucking <sighs> right off the frame? Like just yeah. it took two tow trucks hooked up to my car that were on pavement, yeah. winching from different angles to even get me close to move. So like yeah. I don't know, man. I never liked I never liked time. those screwing things. I feel like those are just for getting you up on the flatbed.
1: Dude, if it took two, two, yeah.
0: No, I was really stuck, dude. I've never seen anything like this.
1: Yeah, a little spinny hook thing that comes to the factory in the front bumper is not going to help. Yeah, like, I, I hate the, that that's thing. That's
0: a five percent, but it's perfectly
1: good for ninety percent of the things you need. Yeah, that's
0: probably true. I guess. I,
1: I still. It, 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 what I'm saying is, yeah, yeah. it is an actual recovery point. No, not, that's like, a good point. People, not
0: the little, little welded-on hook on to open, the sheet metal right. that's underneath Don't use it. That. Yeah, no, that's and, yeah.
1: And and number one, if your vehicle has a tow ball in the back, do not ever hook the tow strap to the tow ball.
0: Ever you mean, just like, like throw yeah. it around the ball?
1: Exactly, don't no dude. Do they that. make
0: those inserts you can get. Like, I just saw that Max but Trax that's... came out with some new, and that's great. And I, I have one, but yeah, don't
1: you, don't you don't even need that? Like, take out the toe ball,
0: <laughs> use the pin,
1: the pin that holds it the, the,
0: right. The even if you just right. go around that inside the that's, thing, that is
1: perfectly acceptable. But
0: people like never, just, people just throw, throw the loop over the, the hitch. Yeah, and then the
1: ball comes through the windshield and kills you. Like, oh, yeah, idea.
0: dude, like warp speed.
1: Yeah, it's just it's, it's cast metal that's designed to hold weight down, not uh. be yanked backwards no.
0: in it's, its point. That's yeah, no, weight. it's not designed to hold, like, 20,000 pounds. No yeah. way. So
1: anyway, to reiterate,
0: good tires, <laughs> Sorry, it's just max track. I could talk about this forever. Yeah.
1: Two soft shackles. The Wait, rest say of that again.
0: Tires, dope. max tracks, tools, so- soft shackles. Tool.
1: Yeah, and a recovery strap. Yep, and know and your that, recovery points. And know your recovery points. That, and with that set up, and and if you have it, a friend in another vehicle that's even yep. the same, you're good to go. Like go adventure. You're like the, the, the rest of it's nonsense. The that's, rest of it's great and will get you to more places and make it more comfortable. Like my stage seven icon suspension. You don't need that, but it, <laughs> it makes but it, it nice with, though. But it's so nice, right? Like, so yeah. I'm going 70 across Death Valley on corrugated roads, and yeah. I'm talking to people on my speakerphone and chilling in my comfy, Sheelman heated seats. And like, That's bothered. <laughs> you, uh... you don't need it. It's taken me nine years to get to a point where I had the, like, connections and cash totally. to make that scenario happen. No, that is and true and it's all part of my brand and whatever like but i would just you know buy an, go buy a jeep cherokee xj or a two door yep. wrangler and just go adventure you can it, buy one for 2 grand like whatever it
0: sounds like a garmin inreach might be a pretty good investment as well uh, that that would be that would be my like, like second it, grouping of product you, for yeah sure. like if you're not going with someone else if, you know? if you're
1: going somewhere where you're going to be off the cell reception, especially if you're going in as a solo vehicle, that's what I mean. A, a satellite communicator is like, in kind my of, opinion, for my safety in today's world, it's required. That's it's what not I mean. required. People have done it forever without it.
0: No, right? but it's like, like why bother? Ride. Like with all the but money the we spend, there and it's sort of cheap. Yeah, that's what, what I mean. Like with that. all the money we spend on like the toys that go on our rigs, like not yep. such a bad idea to buy one of those. It sounds like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't buy the
1: rear bear, the rear tire carrier with the, like, right. cans, and instead, or don't go to 35s and an $8,000 suspension. Buy right. a $300 inReach and $20 a month subscription and be safe. And <laughs> be like, safe, exactly right. Call in reinforcements when you get stuck. Right. The guy with the big, your buddy with the big Jeep coming yank you out. Yeah, the, whole, the guy like, who does?
0: didn't buy the Garmin inReach and has the 35s and all the travel, call him in to get you.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that guy is at home working to spend, to make all the money to fix the thing, to That's,
0: pay for the so so he'll be there to answer your call. <laughs> exactly, you're good, <laughs> Brian. Thank you so much for coming on, man. It's uh, Thanks, Joe,
1: man. It's always dude, fun we got,
0: with you, got Yeah, dude, for sure. We got to do another update after you come back from Japan, man. I'd, I'd like to have you on more regular and get more of these stories, dude. There's a lot to learn from uh, from your travels, man. I like yeah, I really sounds, appreciate all the time, dude.
1: Sounds good, man. I would love to chat any time, and hopefully, we'll get out on some uh, automotive adventures soon together.
0: Yeah, dude. Let's figure something out this summer. I need to do some more Europe stuff. You know, sounds good. Let's I do know. It. Let's figure out Brian Dor. Everyone, thank you for coming on the show, man. Thanks, Caswell. Caswell yeah, you got man. it, Peace. dude.